This is Thursday morning on September the 14th, and we are here on Fast for Racing Radio for our Bristol number two NASCAR weekend preview and hot topic sound off discussion with our fan for racing crew. And joining me for today's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. And we've got a lot to preview, uh, <laughs> what, four races, and uh, they are some jam-packed, big impact weekend here for Bristol Motor Speedway. Yes, indeed. It's a big race weekend, but we're going to start in our first half hour talking about some of the upcoming short track races as well, because there's a lot of that going on over the weekend. Uh, after that, we're going to preview two series, the Arca Menard Series and the Arca East Series, the combination race, one race at Bristol Motor Speedway with a brief Arca West Series update. So uh, that's going to be a big deal because the ARCA East, this is their season finale race. So we're going to know who the champion is going to be. It's uh, between a couple of drivers, and uh, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Next, we're going to preview the NASCAR Truck Series race at Bristol. And then afterward, I do have the media interview from Austin Hill. He's the NASCAR uh, Xfinity Series regular season champion and driver of the number 21, Richard Childers Racing Chevrolet. And uh, we'll comment on that interview after we play it for you uh, at the top of our second, or at the bottom of our second half hour. After that, we will continue on with our preview part of the show and preview the NASCAR Xfinity and the Cup Series races at Bristol Motor Speedway. Then, of course, you want to stay tuned for a Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with the Fan for Racing crew, and I believe Brian Eberly will be joining us for that, Jay. Well, that's great. I know uh, Andy said he wasn't available, and I think you're right. I think Mike said he had to, he had to work today. Um, but we got some opinions from him uh, throughout the uh, group chat anyway, so always uh, able to represent him anyway. That is true. We'll We'll do everything we can there. Okay, let's start with the short track news. i got to move over here to your page. Um, we've got uh, quite a few races happening this weekend, and uh, we'll start with the races that are happening today. All right, for the 14th, we got some dirt track racing going on already, kicking the week off early. The Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series. They'll be at Knoxville Raceway, and it'll be covered at 7.45 p.m. on Flow Racing. Uh, actually, all three of these are going to be covered on Flow Racing. You also got the Super Track, Short Track Super Series Fonda 200 at Fonda Speedway at 6 p.m. And then Weekly Racing, and that'll be come to you from King Speedway. Both of those two will be shown at 6 p.m. again on Flow Racing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to move on now then to the 15th because we have some dirt and short track racing, uh, quite a few races on the 15th, which is tomorrow. Uh, starting with dirt uh, over on Dirt Vision. I'll try to cover Dirt Vision here first. Uh, the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series will be at King Speedway at 8.30 p.m. And uh, I'll also, the Extreme Outlaw Series at Jacksonville Speedway at 7.30. Uh, 
And then we've got the uh, weekly racing at Williams Grove Speedway at 645 on Dirt Vision. The weekly racing in Land of Legends Raceway at 7 p.m. And, again, all of those are on Dirt Vision. Then I'm going to move over to Flow Racing. There's the USAC Sprints. City, Circle City Raceway at 6.05 p.m. on Flow Racing. They also have Circuit of Champions at Fremont Speedway at 6.30. Then there's the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series at Knoxville Raceway, another night there, at 6.45 p.m. The Short Track Super Series at Fonda Speedway, another second night for them at 6 p.m. And then the 17th World Nationals at Marshalltown Speedway at 7.45 p.m. And then two weekly racing series. Uh, that's at uh, uh, Port City Raceway at 8 p.m. And Tulsa Speedway is yet to be determined as far as time. But you can catch all of those races on Flow Racing. Well, there was one more in there. It looked like you missed sharing the Mars Late Models uh, Tour. They're going to be at Brownstone Bowling, and that'll be at 7.30 p.m. on Flow Racing. But then Thank going you, into, you mentioned, yep, going into the short tracks, you got Championship Night at Thunder Road International Speed Bowl. That'll be 7 p.m. on Flow Racing. And then to be determined on Racing America will be the Big Race, Big Rig Racing from the Veterans Motorplex. Uh, that's always interesting to watch when you watch the bigger eggs. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, we'll move over to September the 16th. We're talking about Saturday. Uh, I'll do the dirt, and there's some short track racing as well, Jay. Uh, the World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series will be at Placerville Speedway, 8.30 p.m. That's on Dirt Vision. Also, the Extreme Outlaw Series at Highland Speedway at 7.15 p.m. Then we've got the Weekly Racing at the Lands of Legends Raceway at 5.45 p.m. And the Weekly Racing at Volusia Speedway Park at 6 p.m. And all of those races are going to be on Dirt Vision. The races that will be on Flow Racing include the USAC Hopstat uh, Hustler at Tri-Split Date Speedway at 6.05 p.m. The All-Star Circuit of Champions at Fremont Speedway at 6.30. Then we've got the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series at Knoxville Raceway. That's at 7.45 p.m. And the IRA Sprints on 141 Speedway at 7 p.m. on Flow Racing. Then the Ultimate Super Late Models at Thunder Hill Raceway Park at 7.30 p.m. And then uh, Mars Late Models at Fairbury American Legion Speedway to be determined, but all of those races will be on Flow Racing. And then she's got some short track races for you. Well, give me a minute. You said you, you gave me a sad reminder. I'm not going into Tennessee there until Sunday, so... I'm going to miss that ultimate oh. race at Thunder Hill Raceway Park, one I visit frequently with Jason Walker and his crew. But <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I forgot that was this weekend, but um, for the short tracks, NASCAR Wheel and Modified. Let's see if these are all flow racing. Nope, we got a couple different ones. So let me see. We'll start with uh, Racing America. 
They have yet to set their times, but the ASA Stars National Tour, the Glass City 200, will be at Toledo Speedway, and that'll be determined. And we got some news on that later in the show. The ACT Pass Fall Foilage 200, that'll be at White Mountain Motorsports Park on uh, Racing America. Again, a time to be determined. I think the rest of these are all going to be on. Nope, here's another one. Northwest a Super Late Model Series from Winnetake Valley Super Oval. Uh, again, to be determined. That'll be covered on Racing America, as well as the CRA Street Stock Sportsman from Anderson Speedway. And then lastly, another set of the Big Rig Racing from Veterans Motorsports Plex, or Motorplex um, on Racing America. And lastly, the super late model twin features, and those come from Citrus County Speedway. So Racing America, you have to check the times as they don't have any times listed yet. But on Flow Racing at 5 p.m., there you got the NASCAR Wheeling Modified Tour. They're going to come from Riverhead Raceway. The NASCAR uh, Youth Series, that'll be Christian County. That'll be on at 6 p.m., They'll also cover the NASCAR Weekly Racing from Florence Motor Speedway at 7 p.m. Also at 7 p.m., NASCAR Championship Night from Hickory Motor Speedway. Let's see what else they got. Virginia Sprint Car Series, that'll be Langley Speedway at 8.30 p.m. You got the Speed Tour Super Late Models from Meridian Speedway. And I think that's it for Flow Racing for the 16th so that puts us up to the 17th okay and we've got two more races one on dirt one on short tracks the extreme outlaw series it will be a red hill raceway on september the 17th at 5:45, and that will be covered on dirt vision for short tracks it's the smart modified tour at lonesome pine raceway at 1 p.m and that one will be covered on Flow Racing. So a lot of racing coming up here in the short track uh, arena. And uh, they mentioned that we would have some other news here. Uh, I will mention that Dylan Kwasniewski, Dylan Kwasniewski, um, Noah Gregson is going to compete in that Glass City 200 that's uh, taking place at Toledo Speedway on Saturday. He's racing with uh, Rhett Jones Racing in that race. He's been reinstated by NASCAR, so uh, it's good to see him back on track. It is, and I think we're going to hear some other news for him. Uh, I know under hot topics, we got a lot of things moving now uh, as we get close to the end of the season, people finalizing deals or making announcements. I know some of them, I think, are going to come tomorrow as well, but a lot going on right now as we change what we're going to look at for next year. Okay, so uh, we might want to check out some of the other uh, websites and see if there's any other quick news that we want to make sure that we bring up here. All right. Uh, I think uh, from Racing America, as I had scanned through that, I think we had hit, uh, other than some of our hot topic ones, uh, that's the top one listed right now, but we talked about the Northwest Super Late Models as they head to Winnehachi Valley Saturday, so I know we kind of hit on that one. Talked about Noah Gregson. Oh, there's a couple more here. 
Ty Majeski and Jesse Love are going to headline that Glass City 200 entry list. I don't know if we have time to go into the entry list there. Yeah, I will tell you, that race, I've got a time for it. It does start at 5.30 p.m. Uh, local time, so that's Eastern time. Well, there you go, and it does have some uh, good names in it. Uh, that's one of those of, man, the future stars as well as some stars coming back. Um, to race in events yeah, like that. Yeah, let's kind of mention some of the bigger names. All right. Pull that one up. Uh, trying to pull down the whole list here. Uh, mention some of those top ones, but looking in here, that other ones that have filed an entry for the Glass City 200, you got Super Late Model Superstar, Bubba Pollard, Cole Butcher, Gio Ruggiero, the 2022 Glass City 200 winner, Blake Rowe, as well as the 2007 race winner, Brian Campbell, and then local favorites, David Leaf, Michael Simcoe, Albert Francis, and Brandon Varney. Again, I just love the mix of drivers we get in some of these races. Yeah, it's really cool to see have happening. And uh, I am uh, super excited about that entry list. I think uh, it's going to be an exciting race to watch. And uh, I thought that was good news to hear that Noah Gregson was back and he's going to be in this race. I would look for him to be one of the favorites. I would think so, again, uh, for several different reasons. But I also think you got to look at Ty Majeski again. He's going after double championships here with the uh, late models as well as the truck series, and we'll cover that a little later on as well. But uh, just a huge feat for that. Uh, we've seen the East-West championship thing be attempted uh, before. But two different, completely different styles between the trucks and a, and a late model program like that, that's kind of really impressive to me. It is indeed. Okay, let's go ahead and move on now, Jay, to our um, Arkham and Art Series. It's, a, it's two series, one race. Uh, the Arkham and Art Series in the Arca East has their season finale. Not the Arkham and Art Series, just the Arkham and Art Series East is the season finale in the Bushes Beans 200 at Bristol Motor Speedway in Bristol, Tennessee. It's tonight, September the 14th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central, and it will be televised live on Fox Sports 1. So a lot of good info there. Well, and we got a lot more good info when it comes to the Bush Beans 200 at Bristol Motor Speedway. It's the 18th of 20 races for the Arca Menard Series, and then that eighth and final race of the 2023 season for the Arca Menard Series East. So, again, the main Arca Menard Series, still got three races left, this one and two more. That's right. Okay, Jesse Love enters Bristol Motor Speedway with 128 points lead in the Arkham and Art Series championship standings over second-place driver Andres Perez de Lora. Christian Rose is now third. He's just 18 points behind Perez. And Hollywood actor turned race car driver Frankie Munez is fourth. He's just three points out of third. So very tight battle beyond the uh, lead there. And uh, it's going to be uh, fun to watch and see how that plays out tonight. Yeah, when I said the Arkham and Ard Series championship hadn't been determined yet, that's mathematically. Uh, we can see what's going on there with <laughs> Jesse Love, though. 
Yeah. Uh, William Sawich leads the Arkham Menard Series East standings, but that's only a 20-point gap over Luke Fenhouse as they head into that finale at Bristol. Uh, should Solich finish 14th or higher, he will lock up the series championship regardless of what Fenhouse does. Okay, the number 18 team that Solich uh, drives for, well, that team has won the last two Arkham Menard Series races uh, and Arkham Menard Series East races at Bristol. In 2021, Ty Gibbs won that race, and in 2022, it was Sammy Smith driving that number 18 car to win the race. Well, speaking of winning, we go back to Jesse Love, as he's won nine of the 17 Arkham Menard Series races that have been held so far in 2023. He goes back through Talladega Super Speedway, Kansas Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Elko Speedway, Pocono Raceway, Michigan International Speedway, Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, Watkins Glen Inter- International, and the Coin State Fairgrounds. Again, covering all sorts or all styles of tracks. Yes, indeed. It just shows just how versatile and talented he is. Uh, the Bushes Beans 200 will be the sixth Arkham Art Series race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Previous winners there include Ramos Scott. In 1969, Bobby Watson also won that same year, Sam Mayer in 2020, Ty Gibbs in 21, and Sammy Smith, as we mentioned earlier, in 2022. The Bush Beans 200 will also be the 13th Arkham Menard Series East race at Bristol Motor Speedway since the first one back in 2012. Previous winners on this side include Nelson P.K. Jr., uh, in 2012, Dylan Kwasniewski in 2013, Eddie McDonald in 2014, Kyle Benjamin in 2015, Chad Fincham in 2016. In 2017, it was Harrison Burton, then Todd Gilland in 18. Sam Mayer came along in 2019, where he picked up two wins and the win in 2020. Then Ty Gibbs in 2021 and Sammy Smith in 2022. And that goes back to the record of that number 18 machine for Joe Gibbs Racing. Does. It certainly does. Okay, now Ty Gibbs, he holds the Arca Menard Series and Arca Menard Series East tracks qualifying record at Bristol. That was set in 21 at 14.859 seconds, or rep- that represents, 129.134 miles per hour. That's pretty fast for a track like Bristol. It is indeed. Now, Sammy Smith holds the Arkham Menard Series 200-lap race record at Bristol Motor Speedway. Now it's set in 2022 at 1 hour and 33 minutes, which brings it down to 43 seconds, or 1 hour and 33 minutes, 43 seconds, Brings that speed, though, down to 68.248 miles per hour for the race. All right. Now, Sam Mayer, he holds the Arkham Art Series East record at Bristol uh, that was set at in a 150-lap race in 2019. Uh, that record sits at 51 minutes, 4 seconds, and represents 93.936 miles per hour. And the difference there is caution. So let's look at that. The record for the most caution flags in an Arkham Menard Series or Arkham Menard Series East race at Bristol Motor Speedway is 10 
for a record 71 laps, and that was a set in 2020. 2020. The fewest number of caution flags in an Arkham Menard Series race, though, is seven for 55 laps in 2022. In the Arkham Menard Series East, it's three in 2017. And then the fewest caution laps was 15 in 2019. Both of those were set in the 150-lap contests. The record for the most lead changes in the Arkham Menard Series and Arkham Menard Series East uh, at Bristol is set at nine in 2020. The fewest uh, in the Arkham Menard Series is two. Both of those came in 21 and 22. Sam Mayer led every lap in the Arkham Menard Series East race in April of 2019. So that was pretty impressive. I don't matter what the track, yeah, if you can lead every lap, that's certainly a feat to be accomplished. Now, should you need to lead extra laps or the race was extended into overtime, there will be unlimited attempts at a two-lap green-white checkered finish. Should the caution flag be displayed during after the white flag is displayed, then there will be an unlimited attempts at a one-lap green-white together finish. You always want to mention that for the Arkham Menard Series in case you're new tuning in to watch those races. Okay. Now, I took a a quick look at that Bristol 200 entry list, and it's huge. 32 names on the list. Uh, We'll go from the bottom up, and I'll go ahead and get us started. In the 06 is A.J. Moyer from Tampa, Florida. They're driving the uh, Rivers Edge Cottages and RV Park bucked up. Forward for Wayne Peterson this weekend, and Nate Moeller will be on top of the pit box. The 03 machine is the Club Racing Incorporated, so we'll start with the driver and owner, Alex Club, out of Morris, Illinois, and then Brian Club, he'll be the one crew chief in that Ford. Tim Monroe will be crew chiefing his Hillenburg Toyota. In this, and he'll also be behind the wheel of the number one. He hails from Elmwood, Illinois, and he'll have at Ash Vandelay and UTI on the side of his Toyota this weekend. And I don't know if this one's near you, Sharon, but Alhambra, Illinois driver, Dale Shearer in the number 98 that he owns. Neil Shearer going to crew chief that Toyota, and they'll have Shearer Speed on the side of it. All right, and Landon Lewis, who hails from Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina, will be behind the wheel of the number 97 CR7 Motorsports Chevrolet. Cody Robar is the owner there, and Todd Myers, like I say, will be on top of the pit box. I'm trying to decide if I've seen this driver run. Tanner Arms comes out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, with the Sunset Park RV manufacturing on the side of the number 95 Toyota, our owner is listed as Mark Noble, Tony Pekoskis as the crew chief. Okay, and driving the number 93 Innovative Tiny Houses in Lickety-Loo's Chevrolet for Aaron Weaver this weekend is Caleb Costner. He hails from Dallas, North Carolina, and Derek Kearns is his crew chief. A new town I haven't seen before anyway. Meadows of Dan, Virginia is where Charles Buchanan is going to bring his number 87 Ford from, driving it as well. But he's also got Craig Wood going to help out on that Ford. 
Mike Dayton will be on top of the pit box for Andy Jakowiak. He'll be behind the wheel of the number 73. He hails from Buffalo, New York, but he's going to be driving the Kevin Lampier Toyota this weekend with Mike's golf carts on the side of his uh, car. The number 69 is the familiar Bill Kimmel Ford with Kimmel Racing on the side. Matt. Mike Basham going to be the driver this week from Henryville, Indiana, and Leo Krieger going to be calling the shots for him. Okay, driving the number 66 Hillenburg Chevrolet this weekend is John Garrett from Athens, Texas. He'll have Fort Worth screen printing on the side of his car, and Mike Schroep will be on top of his pit box. You've seen the good pairing on the number 55 VMS or Venturini Motorsports. The number 55 Toyota, again, being driven by Tony Breidinger out of Hillsboro, California. Monum Rayman on the crew box. Okay. Jack Wood is driving this weekend for Max Siegel Incorporated. He'll be behind the wheel of the number 51 uh, Chevrolet, and he hails from Loomis, California. Steve Plattenberger is his crew chief. Leo Krieger going to be busy because he's listed as the crew chief of another machine here, the number 48 owned and driven Brad Smith Chevrolet with Capria.com as a sponsorship. And Brad comes out of Shelbyville Township, Michigan. Matt Gould will be behind the wheel of the number 42 Cook. Technology Chevrolet this weekend. Uh, he Matt uh, Gould comes from Mooresville, North Carolina. He'll have MMI SunWest Construction on the side of his Chevrolet and San, Sean Samuels on top of his pit box. We'll see CB Fabricating and Top Choice Fence back on the side of the number 35 Ford, and that means Greg Van Alst is returning with his team along with Jim Long. And they come out of Anderson, Indiana. Okay. One of my favorite-looking cars in the Arkham Art Series is the one that Christian Rose drives, the number 32, with West Virginia Department of Tourism on the side of his board uh, with, for Kevin Sawinski this weekend. Christian hails from Martinsburg, West Virginia, and Ryan London will be on top of his pit box. And the number 31 also brings a, a very passionate sponsorship with the nationalpolice.org and the inspirerealchange.org. Rita Goulet out of McCalla, Alabama, driving that Chevrolet owned by Tim Goulet and crew chief as well. Okay. Mark Rett's going to be on top of the pit box for his uh, – uh, Rhett Jones owned Ford this weekend. Frankie Munoz will be behind the wheel of that familiar number 30, and he hails from Scottsdale, Arizona. The number 28 Chevrolet is one of those top two championship contenders. It's Luke Fenhouse out of Wausau, Wisconsin, in the Chevrolet Performance Machine owned by Mark Webb. Shane Huffman tried to guide him to the championship. Okay, Caden Lapovich is on top of the Venturini Toyota, the number 25 driven by Connor Jones from Fredericksburg, Virginia. He'll have Jones Utility on the side of his VMS Toyota this weekend. 
We've talked a lot about him already, but the Billy Venturini, Venturini Motorsports, Toyota number 20. There is Jesse Love out of Redwood City, California, with JBL coming out as the sponsor, and Shannon Rush. Uh, I don't know if he's guiding them or not, but the pairing of them two, Ben Dominant. Okay, another contender in the ARCA East and currently leading the points is William Sawalich from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, driving the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. He'll have Starkey Sound Gear on the side of his car and Matt Ross on the top of his pit box. I always like to go from north to south, so we'll go down to Willow Park, Texas, and that's where Caden Honeycutt comes from, driving the number 17 Chevrolet for Steve McGowan. Amber Slagle listed as the crew chief of that MMI SunWest construction car. Okay, driving uh, in both the east and the west, this uh, driver is uh, driving for Bill Venturini in the Gear Wrench Toyota number 15. Sean Hingarani hails from Newport Beach, California, and Kevin Reed will be on top of his pit box this weekend. Been a few races since I uh, got to talk about this one. Ryan Roulette in the number 12 Ford for Hillenburg. Michelle Hillenburg listed as the owner. Jeremy Petty calling the shots on that Ford. He comes from Minot, North Dakota, with Bellatar VFW on the side of the car. Zachary Tinkle will be on the side of the Hillenburg Toyota this weekend again. He drives uh, the number 11, hailing from Speedway, Indiana. He'll have racing for rescues and fast track racing on the side of his Toyota. And I love this crew chief, Todd Parrott, on top of his pit box. Another Hillenburg Toyota is the number 10, and that is a Texas Pride. Coming out of Martin, Texas is D.L. Wilson. Got Hardo Texas Speedway on the side, and then Dick Dohaney on top as far as the crew chief. Okay, LeVar Scott will be in his Max Siegel number six Chevrolet this weekend. He hails from Kearney Point, New Jersey, uh, and he'll be driving the Chevrolet, but Jay Lupo will be on top of his pit box. And Willie Mullins bringing his number three Ford to the track this weekend with Landon Pimbleton out of Amelia, Virginia with Pimbleton Forest Products. And tagging along is Kevin Reed Sr. Okay, Jamie Jones uh, again on top of the pit box for the Max Siegel number two Chevrolet driven by Andres Perez de Lara from Mexico City, Mexico. And the last one, the number one, the Phoenix Construction Toyota brings the Finch family. You got Jake Finch doing the driving, comes out of Lynn Haven, Florida, with James Finch as the owner, and then Johnny Allen as the crew chief. All right. Uh, we're going to go right into the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Six Series UNOH 200 presented by Ohio Logistics uh, Racing at Bristol Motor Speedway tonight, September the 14th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1. They'll start their coverage at 8 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. They'll be racing a distance of 106.6 miles over 200 laps. 
first two stages are 55 laps each. Stage one ends on lap 55, stage two on lap 110. And, of course, the final stage is 90 laps ending on lap 200. And it's got a lot of information. I'm trying to scroll all the way down here to the bottom of the NASCAR news and notes here that we cover with the starting with the truck series. We're going to see Ryan Vargas on track. There you go. Man, I was so excited when I read this the other day, too. Uh, Ryan Vargas Mm -hmm. set for a Germany Talladega doubleheader. Stay with me now. NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series and Xfinity Series driver Ryan Vargas announced he will compete in a very unique doubleheader in the NASCAR Wheeling Euro Series and then the Craftsman Truck Series in back-to-back weekends. It'll be September 23rd and 24th. Vargas will make his Euro Series debut at the Motorsports Arena Oschleberben. I have no idea how to say that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> in Germany. Um piloting the number 30 critical path security Chevrolet in a collaborative effort between Team FJ and 3F Racing in that Euro NASCAR Pro Division. Now, following that debut, Vargas will turn his attention to his first Craftsman Truck Series start at Talladega Super Speedway then on the 30th behind the wheel of the number 30 on-point motorsports Toyota Tundra TRD. And I had to try this again. Motorsports Arena Oschlesben and Talladega Super Speedway may be 4,714 miles apart, and Vargas won't, mit- won't get much time to mentally decompress, but the La, La Mirada, California native, obviously excited about participating in that doubleheader, uh, finally being able to fulfill a childhood passion of competing across the Atlantic Ocean. That's, that's pretty cool. I'm happy for uh, Ryan Vargas there. Okay, now Ty Majeski, he's going to return to Briscoe looking to defend his last year's uh, playoff victory at that track. Thor Sport Racing's Ty Majeski returns to Bristol this weekend uh, looking for that repeat uh, and his second trip to the Thunder Valley's victory lane. Now, last year, Majeski grabbed the lead off pit road during the second-to-last caution of the race and proceeded to lead the last 45 laps on his way to victory lane, beating front-row motorsports and eventual 2022 champion Zane Smith to the finish line by 1.152 seconds. It was Majeski's series track debut at Bristol, and the win catapulted Majeski into the championship four round for the first time in his truck series career. Now, if Majeski were to win this weekend, he would become just the third driver in NASCAR Truck Series all time to win consecutive races at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, so he would join NASCAR Hall of Famer John Ron Hornaday Jr., who did it in 97 to 98, and Kyle Busch, who did it from 2008 to 2010. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's look at the average finishes at um, Bristol. Corey Heim, who's the series points leader, has a 10.0 average finish, as does Christian Eckes. 
Grant Infigure, though, has a 5.2 average finish. Carson Hosvar sits at 4.0. Zane Smith at 8.7. Ty Majeski, with just two races, sits at 1.0. Ben Rhodes at 12.4. And Nick Sanchez, uh, this will be his track debut. Now, Majeski is the only playoff contender entered this weekend with a win at Bristol. And going back-to-back is going to be a challenge as he's currently riding a streak of nine different winners at Bristol Motor Speedway that dates back to 2014. Brad Keselowski won that year, followed by Ryan Blaney. Then it was Ben Kennedy, Kyle Busch, Johnny Sauter, Brett Moffitt, Sam Mayer, Chandler Smith, and Ty Majeski. That goes from 2014 all the way through to 2022. Well, and we're going to talk about some play, playoff clinch scenarios at Bristol Motor Speedway with the round of 10 in the NASCAR Cup Series, Truck Series playoffs in the books. We look for look forward now for the now eight-driver field. Uh, we don't have anybody clinched in to the next round yet as we're restarting with another round in this round of eight. So the following drivers uh, would clinch on their win alone. Corey Heim, Christian Eckes, Grant Enfinger, Carson Hosevar, Zane Smith, Ty Majeski, Ben Rhodes, and Nick Sanchez. With the reset after uh, race number 19, Corey Heim goes back to the top with 3,030 points. He had that 30 playoff points set up. Everybody be at 3,000, then you add in your playoff points. Christian Eckes at 3,024 is two points above the cut line. Heim is eight above the cut line. Again, going to be a tight battle here. Uh, Grant Enfinger also mm-hmm. two points up at 3,024. Carson Hosevar and Zane Smith, they're tied at 3,022 points. Hosevar obviously has the tiebreaker advantage with three wins to Zane Smith's two. And they are the cut line at technically at zero points. Then Ty Majeski, six points back at 3,016. At 3,013 and nine back is Ben Rhodes. And Nicholas, or Nick Sanchez, uh, 3,006, is 16 points back. This is the first race of this next round, so set the good pace here and see where you got to go from here. All right. Well, Three's Company, uh, when you consider that Eckes uh, stole a win at Kansas Speedway last week, he hadn't continued for the lead all night at Kansas in the Lottery 200, but he found himself in a three-wide battle with Corey Heim and Zane Smith on the final two-lap restart of the night. He made a bold move, and Eckes was able to steal the win from his fellow playoff contenders. Um The Kansas Lottery 200 was the Middletown, New York native's third win of the season and 11th top 10 finish. Additionally, it was his first victory and sixth top 10 finish in eight races at Kansas. While the driver of the number 19, McAnally Hilgerman, uh, racing had already advanced to the round of eight previously on the win provides him more playoff points to begin his new round. Now, Friday night's race cut the playoff field from 10 to 8 competitors, meaning that Matt Crafton and Matt DiBenedetto are now eliminated from playoff contention. 
The driver of the number 99 Thorsport Racing's Ben Rhodes was able to hold off to Benedetto by five points, and that gave him the final transfer spot into the round of eight. Despite being slowed by right rear issues, Rhodes managed to survive the race. He ended up finishing in 25th. As for the other Craftsman Truck Series playoff contenders entering the round of eight with that return, uh, we've already kind of mentioned all these names, but Hine finished fourth, Smith in fifth, Holtzbar sixth, Sanchez finished eighth, Infinger finished 17th, and Majeski came home with an 18th place finish from Kansas. Well, and we talked about it. The playoffs round of eight kicks off under the lights at Bristol Motor Speedway. After the elimination race in the Craftsman Truck Series round of 10 at Kansas Speedway last weekend, the two drivers eliminated from the playoffs. You mentioned Matt Kraft and Matt Benedetto. Now the series heads to Bristol Motor Speedway to kick off this round of eight for the UNO 200 presented by Ohio Logistics, and that'll be tonight. Now, Thursday night marks only the second time that Bristol Motor Speedway has hosted the opening race in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs round of eight. They did it in 2022 as well as now in 2023. In total, it'll be the fifth time Bristol has hosted any NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoff race, going back from 2019 through 2023. But prior to moving to the round of eight opener last season, Thunder Valley was the first race of the playoffs in 2019 and 2020. Then in 2021, the half-mile track served as the elimination race for the round of 10. On Bristol Motor Speedway from 2022 and 2023 is the fifth different track to occupy this third race on the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoff schedule, joining Martinsville Speedway from 2016 to 18, Talladega Super Speedway was 2019, Kansas Speedway in 2020, and Las Vegas in 2021. Five different drivers have won the first race in the Truck Series playoffs round of eight, led by Johnny Sauter with two postseason victories in 2016 and 18. We'll look real quick at that. In uh, 2016, mentioned it was Johnny Sauter at Martinsville. In 2017, it was Noah Gregson in 2017 as a, at Martinsville, but he was a non-playoff driver. Then in 2018, at Martinsville again, it was Johnny Sauter. When it went to Talladega in 2019, it was Spencer Boyd, again, a non-playoff driver. In 2020, it was Brett Moffitt doing it at Kansas. 2021, when he went to Las Vegas, it was Christian Eckes, but he was a non-playoff driver then. And in 2022, it was Ty Majeski. So looking at it trend-wise, we're, we're due for a non-playoff winner, but I don't think that's going to happen. Now, only one of these race winners has gone on to win the Craftsman Truck Series Championship in that same season, and that was Johnny Sauter when he did it at Martinsville in 2016. The Martinsville Speedway win was the first of two victories for Sauter en route to his championship. Of Bristol Motor Speedway's four playoff races, there have been three, I'm sorry, four different winners, Johnny Sauter, Sam Mayer in 2020, Chandler Smith in 2021, and then Ty Majeski in 2022. None of these Bristol playoff race winners have gone on to win the title in the same season. So tomorrow night's UNO, or tonight's uh, UNO 200 presented by Ohio Logistics is going to be broken up into the three stages, lap 55, and for the first two, 
55 laps for the first two and then 90 laps at the end of the race or 200 laps, 106.6 miles per hour. I think Sharon mentioned this. Practice and qualifying will be tonight starting at 4 p.m. Eastern time on FS2 and then the truck race actually later on tonight. Okay. Now, I do want to... um... Uh, go on to our media interview this week. Uh, they did have media interviews. It was a media day, if you will, for the Xfinity Series playoff drivers. That race at Kansas was the last race of their regular season, and this race at Bristol is going to be the first race in the playoffs for that series. The regular season champion is Austin Hill, who uh, – <clears throat> who drives the number 21 RCR or Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet. And so we're going to listen to his interview, and Jay and I will comment when he's finished. So I will warn you, there are a couple of gaps here. I'm not sure why the gaps are there, uh, but please bear with us as we kind of wait out those gaps for the rest of the conversation. So let's go ahead. Sure. I know. <laughs> All right, Bob's going to kick us off. Bob, go ahead with your question for Austin. Since you won the regular season title, do you feel like you're the favorite? No, no, not at all. I think that um, I think the 20 car has to be the favorite, um, honestly. I think that they've just been really fast all season long. Obviously, they have six wins on the year. Um, you know, the, the, the main reason why we were able to, to win the – the regular season championship is we were just very consistent each and every week uh, where the 20, you know, they probably had a little more of that roller coaster finishes kind of going. Uh, we were just kind of even kilt. Uh, you know, we, we kind of just stayed really consistent. Don't get me wrong, we had some finishes that were a little roller coaster as well. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see us being a clear favorite. I think kind of the, the 20 is. But, um, you know, I think that, that we're a good enough team, we're a good enough organization to – be able to make it to the final four. And if you make it to that final four, uh, anything can happen. Yeah, thank you. All right, our next question, we'll go to Matt Weaver. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, awesome. Thanks for taking time today. Um, at various points throughout your Xfinity tenure, you've kind of been labeled the, the super speedway drafting kind of guy. And, like, even Dale kind of mentioned that before. And then he's like, oh, well, he proved me something last week. Is that something that's ever given you kind of a chip on your shoulder and then you want to validate that you're more than just the, the super speedway guy? Yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of laugh anytime someone says that just because, I, you know, if you look at my, my wins back on the on the truck level, uh, I won on all different types of racetracks. You know, I won, won a dirt race. I won uh, walking the Glen, um, you know, mile and a half, super speedways. There was, there was a lot of different racetracks uh, that I won at. So I've always felt like I can win at, at any given racetrack that we go to. Uh, don't get me wrong, I've been been working each and every year, each and every week, each and every month on uh, my racecraft and, and the things that I do on the racetrack to be a better race car driver. And I do feel like I'm uh, more complete Austin Hill going into this playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it gives me a little bit of chip on my shoulder. Uh, you know, just I've always been that guy that, that no one really talks about a whole lot. I've always been kind of the dark horse. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's it kind of just, gives me a little chip on my shoulder. It kind of makes me want to dig deeper to, to prove everybody that, that I can win on all these different sorts, uh, sorts of uh, racetracks. And, and all you got to do is look at, you know, what we've done this season with us getting the regular season championship. 
uh, we ran inside the top five on a lot of racks. So uh, we're able to get it done on, on a lot of different circuits, not only the uh, super speedway. And then kind of a big picture Xfinity Series question. You've been able to drive, you know, the K&N cars and trucks and the Xfinity car, the cup car. I'm curious, where does this platform, the Xfinity Series car, rank you? Because drivers seem to just love this car. Why is it such a driver-favored car? Yeah, I mean, just the Xfinity car itself is just so much fun to drive. It has low downforce, low side force. Uh, slipping and sliding around a lot. You can you can really hang the cars out and get it on the right rear. You can slide them around. Um, and yeah, you might pay a little bit of a penalty on burning the right rear up, but you can you can kind of drive the car really really hard and, and ask a lot. This is one of our yeah. I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying this, but I just think the the extended car is definitely the the best series out there right now. Um, I think it, it, it's it's. It should be what the cup guys are running just because it is just. And here's another gap. <laughs> you know, they, they, they put on a good show on every racetrack you go to. It doesn't matter what race. And one more. Going on that. This is the longest gap, obviously. All right. Our next question will go to Rob and then Mitchell. Go ahead, Rob. Thanks, Amanda. For you, what has your relationship with Crew Chief Andy Street been like since you've been with RCA? Competitive winning driver in Xfinity. Yeah, work with Andy Street's been great. You know, last year was our first year together, uh, first time ever meeting Andy. And, um, you know, I, I knew that we needed to try to, figure each other out as, as soon as possible last year if we were going to have a shot at, you know, making it in the playoffs deep. And, um, you know, I thought we did a really good job of, of learning each other well, and, and we've just kind of carried that over into this season. This season has been uh, one of those seasons where, you know, if I say certain things on the radio, he just kind of understands where I'm coming from, what I'm looking for in the race car. And, and that's one reason why you see us, um, even if we don't unload the best, and maybe we don't even start stage one the best, you see us at the end of these races fighting for a win or fighting for a top five because we're just making our race car better uh, each and every stop. So we've really started to learn each other a, a lot. Uh, we still got a lot of work to do to, to be able to compete for, for the title if we want to at Phoenix, um, but we're really close. And then, uh, yeah, on your other question with the ARCA car, you know, I think the ARCA car really, um, it, it kind of drives similar to, to – the Xfinity car, in a sense, and uh, always ran really well in, in the Canon series, Arca series, that type of thing. And um, you know, you're slipping and sliding around, and that, and, and all that, and um, just kind of learn how dirty air works, and and just the way uh, to position your car if you're behind other competitors when you when we race on the the mile one mile tracks or even the mile and a half tracks. So there's a lot of things that I learned uh, in the Arca series that I've kind of applied to today. Appreciate it, man. Have a good, uh, good luck, man. Thank you. All right. Our next question will go to Mitchell. Go ahead, Mitchell. Awesome. One of the big stories in the Cup Series right now is the fact that Martin Truex Jr. is on that playoff cut line despite winning the regular season championship. As a guy that won the regular season championship in the Xfinity Series, does it make you nervous at all seeing that, or do you still feel confident that it, you can get through this round fairly easily? Well, I was feeling a little bit more confident about it until I saw what happened to 
to Chester on Sunday. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things, even though you have these bonus points, you have these points to fall back on, it can dwindle away and go and go away very quickly. So, um, yeah, get complacent. You can't, you know, ease up and think that you're just going to have, you know, this nice, easy ride to the Final Four. you got to keep pushing hard. you got to keep staying aggressive like we have all season long because uh, something like what happened to Truex could easily happen to us Friday night, and then we're in a hole trying to figure ourselves out. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. All right, we'll take our final question from Nathan. Go ahead, Nathan. Hey, Austin, appreciate the time. Um, just how do these, these first three tracks in the round of 12 kind of shake out for you? Obviously, it's a little bit different than last year with um, um, Bristol in the playoffs, Talladega out. So how do these first three races kind of stack up for you guys? Yeah, I think they stack up pretty well for us. Um, we actually had a really, really fast car last year at Bristol. Uh, finished third, thought we had a shot at winning the race, got a little bit of damage, and uh, that kind of hurt our performance, made us really loose. And um, So we were able to establish top three, though, for the day, and uh, so I thought that was great. So feel really good about about there. And then the next two mile-and-a-half that we go to, I think that um, we can win at either one of those. I think our mile-and-a-half program has been our strong suit. Uh, I think that, you know, for RCR in general, we've just been a lot better on the mile-and-a-half than we are uh, at the short track. So feel really good about all the, the mile and a half that we're going to in this round and if we do make it to the to the round of eight. So uh, very excited to, to get going uh, next week at 10. Okay. So there you have, to, Jay, your thoughts about uh, the interview here with Dustin Hill. Overall, the one thing I heard throughout every question he got asked was his honesty, openness, and transparency, as well as reality. You start with they asked about being the favorite with that regular season championship where he's at entering into the playoffs. He said, no, the 20's been the better team as far as winning races and upfront speed, whatever. He said, they've been consistent. They're right there with them. They want to get to Phoenix, and then anything can happen. Um, then they talked about whether or not he was just a super speedway. And he said, I know where, where I've been on the track. I understand where people are looking at it this way and considering me a dark horse. And he honestly said, yeah, that puts a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Then they talked about comparing the Xfinity to the Cup. And he said, hey, the Cup drivers need to be driving these cars because they're the hardest to drive and take the most driver talent. And they're at the end, too, of winning the regular season championship. You got the points built up. What, what's your position looking at where Martin Truex? He said, hey, you can't can't count on that. We're going to keep doing We're not going to coast. We're going to keep working at where we're at because we know one bad day, such as what happened with Truex, can cause that all to derail. I was just impressed with how, how open he was about it. You know, some of it happened to say, hey, maybe we're not quite here yet, but we're not quitting either. We're not giving up, and we're going to be there at the end to at least fight it out with him. Absolutely, and I, I loved his response, too, to the last two questions, uh, that he felt that he had a good chance, especially on those 1.5-mile tracks. So I, uh, I I like Austin Hill, as you know, and I think that uh, he's going to do well in the playoffs. Uh, I hope nothing does happen to him, and I hope uh, he's able to compete in the Final Four out at uh, Phoenix in November. And that's the one big thing that when it comes to the playoffs, that puts them in that good position of consistency and being there week in, week out to get to the final four. And then, like he said, it's about that one race. You don't know what's going to happen in that final race. 
whereas with the 20 team you referenced, if you have that high and low, uh, you know, Martin Truex ran into that. If you have two lows in a row, you're in that have-to-win situation almost um, to move on. So you've got to be careful with it, but I think the consistency is one of the big things. I know the emphasis is on winning, win and you're in, move on, um, but consistency plays a big role. And throughout the season, we've seen it. He, he wins. Uh, you know, again, I think he came up with four or five wins, one behind John Hunter Nemechek or maybe two, but he was right there week in and week out. So I don't see him not making the final four, um, but I would have said the same thing about Truex. So we'll have to wait and see how they race it out. Okay. We're going to go ahead and move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series race uh, that's taking place at Bristol. Uh, We've got a lot to cover in a short amount of time here, but the Food City 300 will be on Friday, September 15th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, with USA carrying the coverage starting at 7 p.m. PRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio will have uh, coverage as well. They'll be racing a distance of 159.9 miles over 300 laps. Uh, The first stage ends on lap 85. Uh, Stage 2 is also 85 laps, ending on 170. And the final stage is 130 laps, ending on lap 300. So what do we have here in the Xfinity Series, Jay? Well, as always, once a year, you've got that big-time news two-time Xfinity Series champion Dale Earnhardt Jr. going to return to the series at Bristol. So this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway, NBC Sports analyst Dale Earnhardt Jr. will be trading in that mic for the driving gloves as he attempts to make his NASCAR Xfinity Series 2023 excuse me, series debut. I tried to hold that in. Um, The two-time champion, it'll be his 145th start in the Xfinity Series and is 13th at the .533 mile track. In Earnhardt's previous 12 Xfinity Series starts at Bristol, he's put up two poles, one win coming in 2004, seven top fives, and nine top tens. His last start at Bristol, it goes back to 2017, though, where he started 17th and finished 13th. With the high, his average finish at the high-speed half-mile, a very solid 6.9. So Junior will be piloting the number 88 Junior Motorsport Chevrolet this weekend and working with crew chief Jason Stocker. All right. Let's talk about the short track ringers to watch for this weekend. Uh, it's the sixth race of the Xfinity Series schedule that will be uh, competed on a facility that qualifies as a short track. It's one mile in length or less. Uh, so he'll be joining, uh, that joins with Richmond and Martinsville, as well as New Hampshire, Dover, and Phoenix. With five similar-sized tracks in the books already, who has had the most success, success at those events so far this season? The first thing you notice when looking back at the five short track events already run this season is Toyota drivers have won four of those five events. Sammy Smith won at Phoenix. Then it was John Hunter Nemechek at Martinsville in New Hampshire. And Ryan Truex won at Dover. The lone exception was Chandler Smith's Chevrolet win at Richmond. 
John Hunter Nemechek is the only driver this season to place inside the top ten in all five of the previous short track races this season. Five additional drivers have finished inside the top ten in four of the short track races. That includes Austin Hill, Chandler Smith, Daniel Hemrick, Sammy Smith, and Josh Berry. The top five in average finish in short track events run this season are John Hunter Nemechek with the best average at 3.0. Then it's Chandler Smith at 6.2, Sammy Smith at 6.6, Josh Berry at 6.8. Those are all very close to each other. And Austin Hill at 7.8. So uh, what will happen at this next short track event will be the big question this weekend and for uh, tomorrow night's race. We'll probably have to go every other one here in this next segment, Jay. I was hoping you would agree to that, Sharon. I'll do the intro and turn it over to you for the 12th place uh, first one to cover as we spotlight the 2023 NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff field. Now, this marks the eighth running of the playoffs in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and the season's postseason 12 driver field is one to remember. We have drivers from seven different organizations that have qualified for the 2023 NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs, it's led by Junior Motorsports with three contenders, Justin Algar, Sam Mayer, and Josh Berry. That's followed by Joe Gibbs Racing with John Hunter Nemechek and Sammy Smith. Then Redshirt Childress Racing has Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed. Colleg Racing has a pair with Chandler Smith and Daniel Hemrick. And then Stuart Haas Racing with Cole Custer. Jordan Anderson Racing with Jeb Burton. And Big Machine Racing with Parker Kligerman, each having one. Now, all three official engine manufacturers have earned spots in the 2023 Xfinity Series playoffs. Chevrolet with nine cars in the postseason, followed by Toyota with two and Ford with one. And this season's playoff contenders include one former series champion in Daniel Hemrick from 2021 and two current Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidates, Chandler and Sammy Smith. So, again, Sharon's going to start with the 12th position as they're listed in playoff standings order. Okay. Parker Kligerman made it into the playoffs. He drives the number 48 big machine racing Chevrolet, and he is uh, 12th in those playoff standings. He's six points behind uh, the guy who sits in 11th place. And Kligerman earns that final spot into the playoffs in the regular season finale just last weekend at Kansas. This week, he enters the postseason for the first time in his career. Kligerman's collected seven top fives and 13 top tens in 26 starts this season. And at Bristol, he's made seven Xfinity Series starts where he has three top ten finishes. And his career average finish at Bristol is at 15.5. Next, we have a former champion, the former champion mentioned, Daniel Hemrick. Now, he is in the number 10 college racing Chevrolet to try and maximize the owner championship as well. So, Daniel Hemrick, the 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, currently ranks 11th in the playoff standings as he heads into Bristol Motor Speedway, five points back from the round of eight cut line. This marks his fifth time Hemrick has competed in the Xfinity Series playoffs going from 22, 21, then 18, and 17, which is third most all time. 
on the season, he's collected five top fives and 13 top tens in 26 starts. When we look at Bristol, he's made seven Xfinity Series starts, posting two top fives and five top tens, bringing a career average finish at Bristol to 10.7. Okay, now we go to Jeb Burton driving the number 20. Seven Jordan Anderson racing Chevrolet. Uh, he ranks tenth in the standings as he heads to Bristol this weekend. He's back two points from the round of eight cut line. This season marks the second time that Burton has competed in the Xfinity Series playoffs. He did it in 21 as well as this year. Burton uh, has collected one win, one top five, and five top tens in 26 starts this season. And at Bristol, he's made seven Xfinity Series starts, posting one top ten finish. His career average finish at Bristol is at 21.0. One of the rookies mentioned was Sammy Smith, driver for the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. As he arrives at Bristol Motor Speedway for this weekend, he ranks in the ninth in the playoffs point standings, two points back from Sheldon Creed in that eighth and final transfer spot. Now Smith is one of four drivers this season making their Xfinity Series career debuts in the playoffs alongside Sheldon Creed, Parker Kledgerman, and fellow rookie Chandler Smith. On the season, Sammy Smith has collected the one win, four top fives, and ten top tens in the 26 starts. Last season, Smith made his Xfinity Series debut here at Bristol Motor Speedway, where he finished sixth and finished fourth. All right. Uh, Heading into Bristol this weekend, Sheldon Creed is eighth in the playoff point standings. He's up two points above the cut line for the round of eight. And that's the final transfer spot that you can get in on points. Creed is one of four drivers this season that are in their Xfinity Series debut in the playoff. Uh, We've mentioned those drivers previously, so I won't mention them again here. This season, Creed has collected one pole, five top fives, and 11 top tens in 26 starts. Creed made his Xfinity Series track debut at Bristol Motor Speedway last year when he started 22nd and ended up finishing in 37th. And in his final year in the number nine junior motorsport Chevrolet before he moves to the Cup Series, Josh Josh Berry ranks seventh in the standings as they come into Bristol, three points up on the round of eight cut line and 40 points back from the standings lead. This season marks the second time that Josh has competed in the playoffs, including last year. This year, he's posted two poles, nine top fives, and 15 top tens in the 26 starts. When we look at Bristol, he's made two Xfinity Series starts, posting a one top 10 finish of seventh in 2022. His average for the career at Bristol, though, is 21.0. All right, Chandler Smith is in the number 16 Collard Racing Chevrolet coming to Bristol Motor Speedway. He ranks sixth in the Cup Series playoff point standings. He's up three points on the round of eight cut line, and he also is 40 points back from the standings lead. Smith, Chandler Smith is one of four drivers this season making their playoff debut, and uh, this season Smith has collected three poles, one win, five top fives and nine top tens in 26 starts. This weekend, uh, this is Smith's 
Xfinity Series track debut at Bristol, though this weekend will be his first start. He does have four Craftsman Truck Series starts at the track, posting one win in 2021 and three top fives. And having just signed on to return to the number one junior motorsport Chevrolet for next year, Sam Merritt focused on this year, ranking fifth in the playoffs, up nine points on the round of eight. Uh, cut line, 34 points back from the lead. This is the second time Mayer has competed in the playoffs as well, going back to 2022. He's posted four poles, two wins, and 10 top fives with 16 top tens for 2023. Mayer has only made two Xfinity Series starts, putting up one top five and both top tens for a career average of 6.5 here at Bristol. All right. Next up, we've got Cole Custer in the number 00 Stuart Haas Racing Board. He heads into Bristol, ranks fourth in the playoff standings, and he's up 11 points on the cut line and 32 points back from the lead. This season marks the fourth time that Custer's competed in the playoffs uh, in 17, 18, and 19, and again this year. Custer's collected two wins, 10 top fives, and 16 top tens in 26 starts this season. And at Bristol, he's made six starts, putting up two poles, two top fives, four top tens, and an average finish at Bristol at 13.2. Next is a veteran, the number seven junior motorsport Chevrolet, Justin Algrier, third in the standings and 20 points up on the cut line, and only 23 points back from the standings lead. Algar leads the Xfinity Series in playoff appearances with eight, as he's participated in every postseason since its inception, running from 2016 here through 2023, the only driver to accomplish that feat. On On the year, Algar has posted two poles, two wins, 11 top fives, and 15 top tens. Algar has made 22 series starts here at Bristol, amassing one pull, one win in 2010, and 10 top fives and 14 top tens. 10 top fives and 14 top tens. There we go. Career average is 11.4 at Bristol. Okay. Austin Hill in the number 21 RCR Chevrolet ranks second as he heads to Bristol. He's up 33 points on the cut line and 10 points back in the standings lead. The season marks the second time the Hills competed in the playoffs going back to last year. This year, he's collected three poles, four wins, 15 top fives, and 19 top tens in 26 starts. He made his track debut last season at Bristol. The Georgia native started 15th and raced his way up to a third-place finish. Quick spoiler alert, too. Sharon, you're not going to get your favorite driver. James just took him for our fantasy group. Oh, dear. But that, <laughs> uh, yeah, that leaves the, the top driver at this point, John Hunter Nemechek, in the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. He's the, currently the points leader as they go into Bristol. He's 43 points up on the round of eight cut line. It's the second time that Nemechek has competed in the series playoffs this year and going back to 2019. For the season, Nemechek has had two poles, six wins, 13 top fives, and 19 top tens in the 26 starts. Nemechek has three Xfinity Series starts, 
putting up two top fives and an average finish for his career 7.0 at the half-mile track. All right. Uh, That might play in my favor, actually. We'll see how that works out. Okay, clinch scenarios for Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, when it comes to clinch scenarios, it's the first race in the round, so nobody's clinched yet. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. But the following drivers can clinch with a win alone. These are all the playoff drivers. John Hunter Nemechek, Austin Hill, Al Gower, Custer, Mayer, Chandler Smith, Josh Berry, Sheldon Creed, Jeb Burton, Sammy Smith and Daniel Hemrick, as well as Parker Kligerman. Only two former Xfinity Series uh, winners at Bristol are active this weekend, and only one is a current playoff driver, and that's Justin Algauer, who won in 2010. But there's also Dale Earnhardt Jr., who uh, won there in uh, 2004. The three drivers are entered this weekend, uh, and uh, they've won at Bristol in the Craftsman Truck Series during their careers. Chandler Smith in 21, Sam Mayer in 2020, and Brett Moffat in 2019. Uh, We've kind of already covered uh, all of these points and everything when we did our highlight of the drivers, so we'll go ahead and move on now to our next topic here because we're running out of time, Jay. Well, I'll try and wrap it up here again. We're looking at the playoffs getting underway at Bristol Motor Speedway. Since its inception in 2016, the NASCAR Xfinity Series has decided its champion through that elimination-style playoff format as a 12-driver field battle it out over seven weeks through three rounds and the champion been named at Phoenix Raceway in the championship race. Last season, it was Joe Gibbs Racing Ty Gibbs became the sixth different driver to win an Xfinity Series title in the playoff era, uh, joining Daniel Suarez, who did it in 2016, William Byron in 17, Tyler Reddick in 18 and 19, Austin Sindrick in 2020, and Daniel Hemrick in 2021. Gibbs also became the 32nd different NASCAR Xfinity Series champion all time, and that runs from 1985 through the present season. Now, following the regular season at Kansas Speedway last weekend, the 2023 field was set, and they're ready to jump into Bristol Motor Speedway and start their postseason. I mentioned this marks the first time Bristol Motor Speedway has hosted the playoff opener uh, and the first time it's hosted a postseason race in the series. And Bristol Motor Speedway is the fifth different track to host that first race, and you look at Kentucky Speedway from 2016 and 17, Richmond Raceway in 2018 and 19, Las Vegas Motor Speedway did it in 2020 and 21, and then Texas Motor Speedway in 2022. Quick rundown there. I think uh, when it was at Texas last year, it was Noah Gregson. In 2021, it was Josh Berry at Las Vegas. Chase Briscoe did it in 2020 at Las Vegas. Richmond winners in 2019 and 18 were Christopher Bell both years. And then Kentucky in 2017, it was Tyler Reddick. And back in 2016 at Kentucky, it was Elliot Sadler. So in total, six different drivers have won the first race in the Xfinity Series playoffs, led by Christopher Bell with those two victories. And twice, a non-playoff driver has won the postseason opener in the Xfinity Series. Tyler Reddick wasn't in the championship in 2017 at 
Kentucky and Josh Berry in 2021 when he did it at Las Vegas. Now, interestingly, the winner of the first race of the playoffs has never gone on to win the overall championship in that same season. But they did get a shot at it because all the winners of the first playoff race, if they were a playoff contender, have all made it to the championship four round in that same season of their win. And that includes Elliot Sadler, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, and Noah Gregson. So, again, that'll kick off the action on Saturday. Uh, it doesn't say Saturday. just gives the times. Uh, practice and qualifying, 2.30 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on the USA Network, I believe. I take that back. It'll be Friday because they're running Friday night. That'll be on Friday. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. Let's go ahead to our Cup Series. Uh, the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol will be Saturday night. September the 16th at 7.30 p.m. USA will carry pre-race coverage starting at 7. PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio will also carry coverage. They'll be racing 266.5 miles over 500 laps. First two stages are 125 laps each, ending on lap 125 for stage one, lap 250 for stage two, and then it'll be another 250 laps for the final stage, ending on lap 500. Well, we'll start by highlighting some uh, special appearances. We've got a pair of icons in sports and entertainment. Uh, Michael Buffer and Joey Chestnut will make special appearances here in the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol. Legendary ring announcer Buffer, who rose to prominence with the trademark catchphrase, let's get ready to rumble, will once again take the mic during Bristol's tradition-rich driver introductions. Buffer will host the proceedings while each driver will introduce themselves as their choice of music plays in the background. Now, Buffer's intros will lead the elevated pre-race ceremonies right up to the green flag for the NASCAR Round of 16 playoff race. And Buffer will culminate his efforts with his signature throwdown mantra followed by his epic phrase, this is Bristol, and it's only as he can deliver it. I'm not even going to try. This will be the ninth time (laughs) that Buffer has served in this role during Bristol's pre-race ceremonies. The other one, though, and this is an interesting note, competitive eating superstar, uh, Chestnut, is a 16-time Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest champion, uh, including this past summer's event at Coney Island in Brooklyn. He's going to visit Bristol Motor Speedway for the first time in a guest dignitary role. During his day-long visit on Saturday, Chestnut will make a variety of sweet appearances and also with the trackside live host, Kenny Wallace and John Roberts, at the Food City Fan Zone stage as he will participate in a wing-eating contest. That's a little different. Now, Chestnut will also make a special appearance on the main stage during pre-race ceremonies. Okay. Also at Bristol this weekend is the Grammy-nominated band Midland. They'll be performing that pre-race concert uh, and uh, jumpstart the bass, the popular Bass Pro uh, Shops night race on Saturday night. Midland will take the pre-race stage inside the last Coliseum at 5.30 Eastern time for a 45-minute set that will lead into the highlighted pre-race ceremonies, including those driver introductions. Uh, Midland from Dripping Springs, Texas, is a powerhouse trio that plays neo-traditional country. The band has a frontman and lead vocalist Mark Weistock, lead guitarist and vocalist Jess Carson, and band player Cameron Duddy. 
Midland's three studio albums have produced seven chart-topping songs, including the Grammy Award-nominated Drinking Problem. This is the third time that Midland has performed at the NASCAR race. The band also sang in, sang in the March 22 before the Echo Park Texas Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. They played earlier this year at the NASCAR All-Star Race at the revitalized North Wilkesboro Speedway. All right, let's look at some uh, milestones here for the NASCAR Cup Series. When we look at starts, expected to hit a milestone during the season yet let's here. Let's just Martin cover the Truex. ones at Bristol. All right, uh, that will be Martin Truex. When it comes to Bristol, it'll be his 650th NASCAR Cup Series start. He'll become the 28th driver all time to start 650 more races in the Cup Series. The rest of them will come later on during the season, so we'll catch those up uh, as we hit those points over the next couple of weeks. Now, driver wins. Uh, Kyle Busch leads all active drivers in career wins with 63. Kevin Harvick, 60. Denny Hamlin, 50. Brad Keselowski, 35. Martin Truex, 34. Joey Logano at 32, and Kyle Larson at 22. Organization wins. Uh, this one's a good one. Closing in on NASCAR Cup Series win number 300, Hendrick Motorsports currently sits at 299 team wins at NASCAR's highest level, which is most all time. Hendrick Motorsports will look for their 300th victory this weekend, while the Wood Brothers Racing is also on the cusp of a milestone victory and look for their 100th NASCAR Cup Series win this weekend. Mentioned HMS uh, leads all active organizations with the wins at 299. Joe Gibbs Racing is at 206. K Racing is at 141. Team Penske, 137. Richard Childress Racing, 116. I mentioned the Wood Brothers at 99. Stuart Haas Racing has 69. And Trackhouse Racing, 5, along with 2311 Racing. Front Row Motorsports at four, JTG Daughter at two, and College Racing and Spire Motorsports each have one. Also closing in on uh, win number 850 for a manufacturer, Chevrolet currently has 846, again, most all time. Ford is second most with wins in the Cup Series, 712. Toyota is the fifth most at 178. And they're behind Dodge at 213 and Plymouth at 189. And last is car numbers. The number 99 car next win will be its 50th in the NASCAR Cup Series. Okay. Now, uh, I'm going to move on to the clinch scenarios uh, because this is an elimination race. It's the last chance to make it into the round of 12. So we're going to take a look at all of these drivers that are currently contending in this section uh, for Bristol. The two drivers have clinched a spot into the 12-driver field into the next round, and that's only Kyle Larson and Tyler Reddick, and they did that with wins. Uh, now, these other drivers can clinch. If there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the next round, uh, these drivers can win clinch by being ahead of the 11th winless driver in the standings. The same would hold true if a new win comes from among uh, or any of these drivers, Denny Hamlin, Byron, Keselowski, Blaney, Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain. 
Busher, Bell, Logano, or Harvick. Denny Hamlin's going to need seven points. William Byron needs 15 points to clinch. 23 points for Brad Keselowski, 31 points for Blaney, 32 points for Kyle Busch, 38 for Chastain, 43 for both Christopher Bell and Chris Busher. Uh, Joy Logano needs 44 points, Kevin Harvick 49 points. Now, these other drivers are only going to be able to clinch with uh, some help. These are the drivers that are below the cut line, and that's Truex, Wallace, Stenhouse Jr., and McDowell. They need somebody to have a really bad day, or they need to get that win. If there's a new winner from Martin Truex or another winless driver lowering in the standings but still eligible to advance to the next round, um, these drivers can follow, can clinch by being ahead of the 10th winless driver in the uh, standings, and that would include Denny Hamlin would needing, needing 12 points, Byron 21, Brad Keselowski 29 points, Brian Blaney 37, Kyle Busch 38, Ross Chastain 44, Busher and Bell would need 49 points, Logano 50, Harvick 55 points, and again, those drivers that are below the cut line all need that win. That's Truex, Wallace, Stenhouse Jr., and McDowell. Uh, now, any of these drivers, of course, can clinch their spot into the next round by winning, and so uh, we'll have to see what happens this weekend at Bristol. Whoops. Well, and this is about as unpredictable the... as day two. Well, is that Sharon? That you went to where I wanted you to go. <laughs> oh, okay. I, man, I was just going to re- recap there. Now I'm trying to find it back. My page jumped. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to do a lead-in into it. Um, well, go you ahead. Want me to I was go trying ahead? to pull it back up. Yeah, it won't pull pull back up for me. I'm sorry. Okay, it is going to be unpredictable. It's the only thing that's really guaranteed this weekend as four drivers are going to be eliminated uh, at Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, So the uh, two playoff drivers, as we mentioned, have locked their way in. That's Larson and Reddick. Uh, It marks the fourth time that Bristol's hosted the third race in the uh, opening of the playoffs. And Saturday's race is just the fourth Cup Series postseason event at the uh, half-mile track. Uh, There's a total of 15 different drivers that have won that third race. They include uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Greg Biffle, Tony Stewart, and Kevin Harvick. Uh, And then in total, non-playoff drivers have won the third race four times, twice at Kansas. Uh, Tony Stewart, Greg Biffle, Dale Jarrett, uh, let's see, Chris Busher, a non-playoff driver, has not won the playoff race at Charlotte Motor Speedway's road course or at Dover Motor Speedway when they were scheduled as the third race in the playoffs. In total, the winner of the third race has gone on to win the title four times. Uh, let's 
see, and when Charlotte Motor Speedway and, and Talladega hosted the third race in the playoff, none of those event winners went on to win the title in the same race. Okay, all of the NASCAR Cup Series um, on-track activity at Bristol Motor Speedway begins this weekend with practice and the Bushlight Pool qualifying, and both events can be viewed on USA at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, September the 15th. So um, you can watch all that pre-race action uh, over there. So with that, we are coming up to the top of the hour, and we're ready for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off uh, that we'll be beginning here shortly. Uh, Jay, real quick, why don't we do a fantasy update very quickly? I've been meaning to do that for a while, and we just never have the time. Yeah, uh, well, it's uh, we've we definitely had a lot of information to cover here as we get into these uh, playoffs. So, But starting with the truck series as they'll kick off tonight, coincidentally, Sharon, you're the one leading that, 116 points. 106 for Tommy, Mike at 95, Sam 93, Brian and uh, myself at 87, Andy at 86, James 73, and Owen at 70. Mathematically, nobody eliminated yet in any of these uh, fantasy groups. Move to the Xfinity Series, and I'll repeat myself, starting with Sharon at the top. Again, a 10-point lead in the Xfinity Series. Yep. Uh, Brian is at 124. Andy 120, Mike 104, James and myself, I'm going to tie here again at 98, Tommy 97, Sam 96, and Owen 83. And they're just starting their playoffs where we get double points. So, again, nobody eliminated as of yet. On the cup side, you're not at the top here, Sharon. James has controlled the cup series (laughs) all season long. Uh, Has a total of 171. Tommy is next at 149, then Owen 146, myself 142. I'm not in a tie. Brian 139, Sharon you're at 138, Mike is 135, Sam 134, Andy 124. Obviously at the top twice already. Sharon overall 388, Tommy 352, Brian 350. James 342, Mike 334, Andy 330, I'm at 327, Sam 323, and Owen 299. And just this weekend we have what 56, two, four, yeah, 56 points available over the three races. And yeah, Sharon, you were a little surprised here as the playoffs started in the other two series. You have made a killing when it comes to that uh, playoff points, double points. You're taking advantage of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you what, it's going to be tough to hang on to it, though, because I know there's some tough competitors out there in our Pamper Racing group. Okay. Let's uh, go ahead and bring uh, Brian into the queue here. Brian, welcome to the show uh, for Hot Topic Sound Off. Welcome. I think we need to get you on DraftKings, Sharon. You're doing so well on this. You might as well get you making some money as well. <laughs> yeah, this, this doesn't happen too often, Brian. <laughs> so this is the anomaly. <laughs> okay, let's let's go ahead and uh, 
have you kick us off with our first hot topic. All right, great. I guess uh, we can start off with the one probably I'm most fired up about, and that is kind of the um, change in having cautions again at road courses um, during the playoffs or, I guess, the rest of the season. So uh, well, let's, let's kick it off with that one. Okay. So, Jay, your thoughts about that? Well, my first thought is what does Brian sound like when he's fired up? And I'm not even sure if I'm going to go against him or not. <laughs> Um, so we'll have to find <laughs> out. <laughs> right. I'm kind of, I see this both ways. I know when they made the change, um, I was kind of against it cause I didn't like to see all the races not have the same format. I understand road courses are a little different, um, when it comes to strategy and how they play out, but actually with the way they've played out and there not being a lot of cautions and running straight through, I think two of the road courses this year we're right around the two-hour mark because there just weren't any cautions. So I understand the crew chiefs, it seems like, wanted it to go back to a strategy of they can plan out the whole race, whereas now it's a matter of, as I think it was Joey Logano talked about on SiriusXM, you either got to go for stage points or set yourself up for the win. So to me, there's still strategy. It's just a matter of different strategy and how it plays out. Uh, so I've heard a lot of both both sides of this argument. I'm in favor of it for the simple fact that we have it at all the other races, and I don't like there being different exceptions under different races or different rules for different races. So I lean more towards being in favor of it, and the way the couple have played out, yeah, they got kind of strung out, as as we say, because there weren't any other cautions or very few. Um and not necessarily to see the wrecks, but just to see the field get bunched up and restarts, we know, provide some action. So I, I kind of like it, but I do understand why they, they went away from it and they at least tried it. And I'll give NASCAR that. They wanted to take a look at it. Maybe it played out better not having them. They did it for, what, I think last year and this year. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think if it even was in effect last year. But we've had several road courses where they haven't had them. They said they want to go back to this of putting them back in. And I say, I've heard both sides to it. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, but I lean more towards having them just to stay consistent with the other races. Yeah, Jay, I'm kind of the same way. I can argue either side of this uh, conversation. Um, I do like consistency of having the same rules at all the different tracks. I think it makes it confusing, especially when you have casual people tuning in. Then they're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, so having the same rules uh, for all the tracks, I think, has it, its uh, positive side to it. But the other part of me says, let's think about why we d- did this. And it's because everybody was bunching up in the corners on these restarts, and it was causing some problems between the competitors as far as getting getting uh, going in these restarts. So I, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out uh, this weekend at um, at uh, the Charlotte Roval, or not this weekend, but at the upcoming Charlotte Roval race. But I think it makes sense to do it, especially at the at the uh, uh, road courses that are inside the uh, ovals. So. Uh, it's a good chance for them to go back to it and see if they can uh, make this work. I, 
again, a lot of times it's the drivers that dictate what happens uh, with regard to a lot of these rules. Hopefully, uh, they'll kind of look back at this and, and use more caution on these restarts. Uh, but doing it during the playoffs, it makes me a little skeptical that that's going to happen. <laughs> Excuse me, I've got the hiccups. Um, so uh, I'm going to go to Brian and see what he thinks while I see if I can take care of these hiccups. <laughs> uh, you need one of us to scare you, Sharon. Uh, anyway, no, I, Jim makes a good point about being consistent with the rest of the races. Uh, my thought, though, is just they, they made it inconsistent. Now they're making it consistent again just because they're honestly just there wasn't enough chaos and calamity, I feel like, for them in the in the road courses now without having to set up caution because, honestly, it's, it's, the field has gotten so good, I feel like, at road courses you just don't have – um, as many as the slip-ups and mistakes as he used to see, I feel like, over the last, you know, several years. So I just I just doesn't sit right with me making these changes throughout the year, um, especially, you know, midway through the playoffs. I know it's the first road course in the playoffs, but still it just seems silly to me um, and something that if they really wanted to change back, they, they could have changed it back next year, um, made a bunch of off-season rule changes. Um, but I, you guys do make some, some valid points as well about being consistent across – Across um, the across all the different races. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Well, actually, you use the same point though to make your argument against it, there, Brian. The fact that up through the year so far they haven't had them, and all of a sudden you're changing it for the playoffs, so it is a change there. I would have to argue that same thing. Don't change it now just because we're into the playoffs. Uh, leave it the way it's been all year. So you actually kind of made my argument or made me change my argument there as far as changing it for this one race, the Charlotte Roval, the one uh, road course, as you will, in the playoffs. Um, So, yeah, I don't know that I fully agree with that either because you're changing something midseason that wasn't a safety or a necessity necessarily. Um, And truthfully, with the Roval the way it is, uh, I think you're more apt to see some self-induced cautions on that particular track. And, and while we're on that, there was also another change, and I, Mike didn't have any comments with it, but he did uh, put it up there. The other change with the, along with the stage breaks is the starting, starting line. And we've seen this one, and I understand this one they had to make uh, adapt on the fly. But for the Charlotte uh, road course, uh, drivers will now have to run through the little bit of a chicane when coming to the restarts, uh, which they haven't in the past. And we've seen this uh, at the Charlotte Roval. You're on the uh, mile-and-a-half portion of the track. You pick up a lot of speed going into turn one, and we saw drivers overdrive and run into it. Chase Elliott, Brad, Brad Kozelski, and Kyle Larson, I think the first year, led a pack of uh, 10 to 20 cars into that turn one and into that barrier. Um, so making that restart zone after the chicane, it's kind of ironic on some of the others, they backed it up further from the start-finish line, whereas this one they moved closer, but that ch- chicane comes into play. So I do think that one was a good move, too, of trying to prevent that pile-up in turn one, which is generally why they're moving these start lines around. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one, this whole chicane thing. Uh, It's either going to be really, really good or not so good. It will slow the drivers down, uh, but I see a lot of people getting bunched up in that chicane. And uh, 
uh, it could be a problem as well. So uh, it's going to be, you know, I don't have a whole lot more to say other than it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, You do bring up a good point about doing it during the playoffs. Why not keep it the way it's been all season long versus making that change during the playoffs? Uh, Just wait until next year and make those changes. Um, But, you know, NASCAR obviously has their reasons, so we'll see if uh, those reasons play out in their favor this weekend. Uh, Brian? Yeah, no, I don't think I have anything further on that one. But yeah, I think you could have just could have just left it, let this one race go, and then decide you're going to change it back next year. I still wouldn't agree with that that change. I like the fact that you know road courses are inherently different to a certain extent, so I'm okay with that that rule being slightly different on those on on those races. Okay, Jay, what's our next hot topic? Well, this one's tough. It looks like we got several that it could tie into one, but we'll start with one that's official done deal, and that is SVG signing with Trackhouse. Um, it's going to be a combination of NASCAR's three national series in 2024, and he'll be driving for uh, Trackhouse Racing. Yeah, Brian, I see you also posted that. I didn't catch that when I posted my uh, links, uh, but it's a good hot topic. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no worries. I think we're all just uh, super, probably super excited about it throughout the panel. But yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, love that he's coming over. I wish they'd given us a little bit, a little bit more meat in that. It's just, oh, we're coming. Up, he's coming over. Like, what's the schedule going to look like? You know, where's he going to run? All those good details. I think we all kind of clamor for as much info as possible. Um, I'm curious to see. You know, uh, basically going to run a, a schedule between all three national series as well as it sounds like potentially some other late model races and things like that. So, I mean, to see SVG out at a a late model race on the bigger ones across the country, I think will be pretty awesome. Um, If and when that happens, um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, we're looking at, you know, seven or eight cup races. Are we looking at 20 to 25 cup races and kind of how that's going to go throughout? You'd expect to see him on, on all the road and street courses at the cup, probably Xfinity and truck level as well. Um, Trackhouse obviously sounds like we'll probably run the cup car, but then uh, partner with other teams um, at the Xfinity and truck level. So then that also leads to the question of, oh, which teams may they may they partner with? I believe it's Nice um, when you ran the truck race at Lucas Oil, so very well could be them again. Obviously, um, Chevrolet Camp will be losing GMS at the truck level, so your Chevy teams are a bit more limited. But, yeah, I think a super exciting announcement. I think it'll be great to, you know, bring in some additional fans, I think it'll be really fun to just be able to follow him and his experience and, and you know, how everything goes for him. Um, I think it'll obviously be a, a, a lot to bite off and a lot to chew. But I can't talk. That's, I mess up that analogy. Let's just, let's just delete that out of there. But um, anyway, I think uh, it'll be a big undertaking <laughs> for him for sure. But I think I was, uh, I was pretty impressed by how he did when he came over and ran the truck race. Um, you know, looked pretty good in practice and, and I think ran well throughout the night. So just how much he'll be able to improve. And obviously with Trackhouse, um, you know, I can't say enough about what Justin Marks has done since he's come into ownership. Um, just so awesome to see. And I'm, I'm super excited to follow that. And I, I'm sure that, you know, they're all over kind of the content generation anyway. I think they'll have a, a great content plan behind that to hopefully kind of peel back the onion and give us a lot of behind the scenes as to what it's like as he adjusts to, you know, be, being – in America and, and running the, the various series. 
Yeah, I guess you could call me a super fan of Justin Marks. I just like everything he does and uh, what he's done at Trackhouse Racing. As far as um, uh, uh, Van Gisbergen, I'm super excited to see him making this transition uh, over to NASCAR. And this is all about him uh, making that transition uh, from where he races in, what is it, New Zealand or Australia, and then coming over here and learning about racing. He races predominantly on road courses, so this is all about getting him that experience on the ovals, the short tracks, and uh, a different kind of racing. Uh, a lot of speculation in the short track world. Uh, a lot of people think he's going to be part of the Cars Tour uh, next season. Uh, I've heard him his name associated with the ASA uh, Tour as well. So I, I think uh, Trackhouse is is uh, doing some really great things here. And uh, the thing that's interesting is that Trackhouse isn't going to be the team that he races for when you talk about the late model races. He's going to be racing. They're going to partner up with other teams that are in existence and uh, get Shane Van Gisberg and his experience. Uh, So uh, I, I just like the outreach. He's working with different teams, partnering, uh, you know, these other teams and and uh, helping Shane get the experience he needs. Uh, I know he's going to be racing in truck series, Xfinity series, and cup series um, as well. So that partnership that he has with all these different teams, I think, is very key and uh, I think a smart move uh, when it comes to some uh, other great decisions that Justin has made. Um, so I look forward to it, and I can't wait to see uh, what happens. I think he's going to take the short track uh, world by storm, and uh, we're going to see a lot of great things. Okay. Well, the, the interesting point here is normally when you see a driver come over um, like that, you talk about building their um, experience level. You see them running in one particular season or series, not necessarily go for the championship um, by being full-time, but just get that experience. Where Trackhouse is, again, kind of breaking the mold. They said, we're going to maximize his experience in all sorts of different uh, vehicles as well as venues, uh, ranging from the Cup Series down to the Truck Series. And then you mentioned the, the super late models or late model program. Um, as Brian mentioned, uh, his debut there in the truck series on a short track, I thought did very well. We know what he can do on road course circuits with a cup car, you know, so to mix in the Xfinity series, which we heard Austin Hill talk about maybe being a little bit, um, harder to driver, more driver orientated. I think the way they went about this actually makes the most sense. And overall, it's a huge benefit. I mean, you talked about, uh, college or not college, sorry. Trackhouse Racing, not necessarily having an Xfinity Series, Truck Series team, or late model, partnering with these other ones, that's a huge coup for them. Uh, you know, him being in the Nice Motorsports, I believe it was, at uh, Lucas Oil Re- Indianapolis Raceway Park, huge for them. Seeing him at a late model race, uh, whenever the schedule comes out, if you see where he's going to be at one of your local short tracks, man, you better be first in line to get those tickets. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just huge for the sport, huge for these tracks he's going to be at, huge for these other teams that they're partnering with 
just to get him in the car and the sponsorship and whatever attention it will bring. Um, so, yeah, I think it's huge. I Hopefully we do see him. I know he's, what, I think I read 34 years old. Doesn't necessarily have the time window, and he talked about that, to go through the Truck Series even one year, the Truck Series, then the Xfinity, and then into, into Cup Series, with that being the ultimate goal. So to do this, I think, really mixes it up and maybe next year we do see him commit to a series and go full-time. We'll have to wait and see. But I think they, they put together kind of a good plan to try and maximize what window they do have to work with him. Okay, Brian, your follow-up? Yeah, I think uh, we're all definitely on the same page there. It was just all the level of excitement. And I think, yeah, what I'm most excited about is to see, you know, what, what short track races those may be because, you know, like Jay just made the point, like how cool is that going to be to see him out there, you know, running it? Uh, you know, a, a local short track where people can get out there and get that exposure. I think it's going to be huge for the series, huge for, you know, NASCAR looks at so much wanting to go run a a, a, a racetrack internationally. To, to me, this is bigger, bringing an international, you know, international racer that, that's huge over there in Australia here. I think that's going to draw in a lot of new fans, some new fan base. I think it's just going to be fun to see his experience. And I'm hoping they'll also maybe throw him in a few dirt races as well. Really, really break him in. That'd be kind of cool to see see as well. But it'll be interesting to see just how many races that is, how much they fill the schedule with, and, and kind of where and, and, and how. Um, I'm sure they're putting together a great plan. Like, Sharon, you mentioned, I, too, have been a big fan of Mark's from, from when he was driving all the way up through what he's done in ownership. And it's just really cool to see. Uh, really fun to see that that team and what they've been able to develop. And I believe I saw a, a tweet or a quote from him that this this idea of of bringing a, a, probably not SVG himself, but a star over and running for their team has been on his whiteboard for you know four or five years or something like that. So I think mm-hmm. uh, really cool to kind of see that come to fruition and just kind of shows how forward thinking he is an owner and and that team is. And I think it'll be really cool to see. And I think we'll all at least at least this panel will all root for it to be a rousing success next year. What what I love is he just continues to break the mold. <laughs> he just kind of walks through that mold and, and creates his own uh, scenario that works for him and his organization. And and I I love that. So I'm looking forward to it. I think we've got to give a lot of kudos to uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, though, too, because uh, this is going to be a huge year for him uh, coming over to America, number one. Uh, and then to the U.S. and then uh, racing in in these different series um, and getting the kind of experience he's going to be on a fast track learning curve here. Uh, but I think he's shown us that he's he's up to that task. Uh, first time racing in a cup car, he goes out and wins on a street course that the series has raced on for the first time. So I I, I do think. Uh, a lot of kudos goes to uh, Shane Van Gisbergen too. He's he's uh, he's going to be on that fast track, and it's going to be quite a year for him. And uh, I can't wait to watch it. Jay, what else you got for us? Uh, as far as well, I think we kind of covered. Yeah, we kind of covered the the highlight of uh, SVG being the driver. But you kind of brought it back to track house, and I know we've talked about this in the past couple of years. I know Mike likes to bring it up. Um, you know, where our ownership in NASCAR goes with some of the ones that are, are hitting a point of looking at retire. Roger Penske, Rick Hendrick has already kind of transitioned with uh, turning the organization over to or partnering with Jeff Gordon. 
and with that, NASCAR as a whole, you know, they've shaken up the schedule. You know, it used to be the same 36 races, the same order, same weekend, you know, nothing new. They've changed that up. And I think owners like Justin Marks and Trackhouse have helped brought that, bring that initiative that you got to shake things up. you got to change it, break the mold, and, you know, go outside the box occasionally. And I think that partnership together, that's what we're seeing with NASCAR building towards the future. So certainly excited about that pairing uh, and dynamic as well. And with that, I, I just can't wait for him to release his schedule on exactly some uh, dates and uh, tracks because if they're in the Midwest area, I know I want to get in early and sign up at the uh, Eberly compound there. I've seen the, the food they serve by the pool side. I'm getting my reservation there, so I got some place to stay when I go to these tracks. Uh, that's perfect. We are we are open. We are open for business for lodging in southern Wisconsin. Very well drivable to several iconic motorsports facilities. We do serve some excellent food. Uh, the pool is open Memorial Day to Labor Day, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely uh, open for anyone that would like to come up and check out next year. It's, I, you'd love to think at least like the Slinger Nationals would be on that schedule. Um, I'm trying to think of, of where else, but you know, it'll be interesting, really interesting to see just what they get him into. I think, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait, but yeah, re- reservations will be open uh, the second the uh, schedule comes out. Well, I was just going to say, it sounds to me like a fan for racing crew gathering. There you go. I, I, and it's not even for a short track race, but definitely for Road America, right? You, Sharon, I don't know if, remember if you've been at Road America, but I know, Jay, you said you haven't. I just talking to a friend about it today. She's thinking of coming up. Uh, her boyfriend's a big motorsports guy, and he'd never been either, and they, they want, really want to check it out as well. So I think just, yeah, for sure, we can put we can circle any of the dates at Road America next year. Uh, and that Xfinity, hopefully, hopefully Xfinity's here because comes back, I think uh, they, they should be. So I think that'll uh, that'll be cool, and I would expect him to be in the in the field for that race. Okay, Brian, uh, what do you have for us for our next hot topic? All right, well, I guess we can kind of talk about uh, Noah Gregson being uh, reinstated and kind of what uh, he's gonna what he's gonna be doing or what, what we may think he'd be doing um, in the future. Uh, let's, let's go with that. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Well, I think this was one of the night programs when we talked about it, so I don't know if Brian has uh, been involved in this or or heard our comments on it. I still think it ties into another one. College Racing is set to make a driver announcement tomorrow, I believe. I was trying to find that uh, article. Um, Coincidental that that's coming right on the heels of Noah Gregson's reinstatement listed, but with that, uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll just read what... No, I can't find it back. Uh, Mike posted one of them. I'm trying to think if I can even read how he put it. He didn't necessarily give an opinion on it itself, but as the title (laughs) for the topic, it says, Gregson has sufficiently kissed the ring, genuflected repeatedly, and prostrated himself at the altar of political correctness and therefore been reinstated. So take from that of what you will on what Mike thinks about it. Um, but there is a program, and, and Noel Gregson went through it. Uh, I don't know exactly what it all entailed, but he met the requirements, and, and he says it in his statement um, that he's happy and going to do his best for his the team he's going to drive for in the future. It kind of alluded that he had a team in mind or that there was a plan. Again, it's not specific, so that is conjecture on my point, but I do think that there are teams out there 
that will invest in him. Uh, you look back on uh, the sponsor things he did, especially with Wendy's activation. The We've seen it. I mean, he's willing to do a, pretty much anything. Yes, he draws attention occasionally with some uh, other antics, um, but we've all seen drivers like that, and that does provide some good attention. Uh, you know, the fire of a driver, the, their willingness to stand their ground. So I hope that he has taken this time and I'll have to go back while, while somebody else goes around the, the, the table here, but what his statement was as far as that, I don't want to see him go away and become a vanilla person, but obviously there were some things he did need to look at and self-reflect on, and I think he has done that. Hopefully we see that uh, translate to performance on the track, starting with the race he's going to be participating in this weekend that we talked about earlier. Okay. Now, I'm going to take it just a step back, if you will. Uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson had a conversation earlier this week, and one of the things that he said is that he was shocked when Noah Grayson approached them to say that he wanted to be released from his contract at Legacy Motor Club. And I thought that was interesting because I think all of us kind of assumed uh, that Noah Gregson was released because of the situation. And we thought it was a little bit appalling that um, uh, he was uh, he was. Suspended, I think is what the original terminology was used, uh, for something that happened three or four years ago. But, uh, when this happened, uh, it wasn't, no, it wasn't Legacy Motorsports saying that they wanted Noah Gregson to be fired, more or less. Um, although we kind of speculated on that. Uh, I think that uh, it was interesting to me, at least, uh, that Jimmy Johnson said that it was Gregson that approached them and wanted out of the contract. So that's one thing that I think is important to mention here as well. Um, He did go through the program, and uh, he took accountability for the situation, and he has, excuse me, he's made it a point. Uh, to do everything he needed to do in order to get himself reinstated. He is going to be in a car this weekend. I think I posted that on Hot Topics as well. We can talk about that later if you want. Uh, But he's going to be in the uh, glass, what do they call it, the glass? um, I've kind of jumped what I wanted to talk about here. Yeah. He's going to be in that race this weekend, and that's a huge race. Uh, in fact, I think he's going to be one of the top contenders uh, this weekend in that race. So I think that's going to be um, uh, really good. And you're right, there's an announcement coming up. There's a couple of drivers that I think could be associated with that announcement uh, with some other news that came out today. Uh, but Nor Gregson certainly could be one one of those drivers uh, that could be in that conversation, and uh, we'll have to see what happens tomorrow afternoon. I think that announcement for college happens at 1.45 tomorrow afternoon, and that's Eastern time. So my ear is going to be glued uh, trying to hear what the news is for college racing. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, a few things there, not to 
not to jump topics, but yeah, I think we can kind of talk about the colleague announcement kind of a little bit hand-in-hand as well. It seems like the Internet, Twitter sleuths, and or people that have way too much time on their hands have taken that photo that was posted (laughs) by a colleague and bumped it up, and it's Daniel Hemrick's arm. And, I mean, come on, people. Do we have anything better to do? But great job by a colleague on their social, by the way. They do such a great job of keeping things fun and entertaining and keeping Mm -hmm. people guessing. But, yeah, great to see Gregson back in a car for a – very big um, late model race um, this weekend out at Toledo Speedway. And as you mentioned, a, a pretty solid field. You're going to have Ty Majeski in there who's, you know, winning everything and everything when it comes to late models these days, as well as Jesse Love, who's won, uh, I believe it's nine of the ARCA races so far um, this year on the schedule, um, as well as your typical big late model guys, Bubba Pollard, Cole Butcher, um, and some other guys from around the Midwest as well. Maybe not quite as big of an entry list as I thought, but definitely some very solid competition um, for sure out of Toledo this weekend. Um, but, yeah, it's great to see Gregson back and, um, you know, running right away. I would expect him to still at least run the Snowball Derby, maybe even the Winchester 400 um, and some other late model races. And, and, and who knows, maybe a sprinkle here and there in the Xfinity Series or somewhere. Don't know where he'll be going. I do think Colleg, I think, would be – a great fit for him, just, you know, Matt Colley, Chris Rice, definitely are more outgoing, boisterous, I feel like, personalities, which obviously, as we mentioned, Gregson is as well. I think he'd fit in very well um, with that camp um, for next year and going forward. Obviously, I, I think we all, all agree that his ties with Chevrolet throughout his career maybe played somewhat of a role if, if, in fact, he did truly ask to be released. I know everyone kind of goes back and forth on everything that went down there, but it is it is very reasonable to think that his longtime ties with Chevrolet had something to do with that, with legacy moving to Toyota and him wanting to go elsewhere. Obviously, he didn't have the cup rookie season that, that I think he or anyone would have hoped for, um, so I think kind of a chance for him to, to reset and, and refocus for next year. And um, I, I personally would love to see him uh, land with colleague for 2023 or 2024, I should say. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. Well, I've got, I got a bunch more in my head there uh, just in that short span. I did find Gregson's uh, <laughs> statement on Twitter. Again, he didn't just remove himself from social media, which I see is a good thing, but I'll read the whole thing here. Uh, says, I, I want to express my sincere gratitude to NASCAR for reinstating me. Over the past several weeks, I've dedicated myself to personal growth and reflection, and I believe I've become a better person because of it. I couldn't have done it without the support of my family and the NASCAR industry. I am now more focused and committed than ever to representing my future team in the best way possible. I'm eager to get back behind the wheel and compete at the highest level, giving it my all on and off the track. Thank you to everyone who has been part of the journey, and I can't wait to make can't wait to make the most of this second chance. So again, I, I think he's uh, you know as Mike said it of following protocol or whatever, but I don't think it is just checking boxes. Uh, you know, I'm sure he did spend some time, and with what he's learned, um, will change him as a person, and that's a good thing. But I also don't think you're going to see him uh, not be who he was going back uh, completely anyway. Um, with that of where he could go, uh, as you guys were talking, I know that the college racing, we kind of tied that in. Daniel Hamrick certainly has been one of them that has been discussed, but I think what people are forgetting to realize is that they may go to two new drivers for next year. AJ Allmendinger has said, I will do whatever college racing asks of me. 
They want me full-time in Cup, I'm going to run full-time in Cup. They want me in the Xfinity Series, I'll be there. They want me part-time here or there, I'll be there. They want me to drive the truck, the hauler, I'll do that. He is committed to college racing. But I don't think running full-time at the Cup Series is what he wanted anymore at this point in his career as far as the grueling schedule. So there may be two new drivers there. We'll have to wait and see what the actual college racing announcement is. Um, but with that, I and I wish Mike were here today, I'll throw this out there. The number eight for junior motorsports in the Xfinity Series has not been filled yet. And Brian touched on it. I think part of this whole situation with the Legacy Motor Club, whoever asked for what or whatever, I think was going to come about one way or another. I, it's unfortunate yeah. the way it did come about. I just don't think Gregson fit in there, and it was in the long-term plans with him going to Toyota and John Hunter Nemechek coming in. It may be, as we like to say, that you saw the writing on the wall, so he said, I'm going to go ahead and do it uh, early and ask for my release. Um, again, don't know that for a fact, but it just seems like him and Toyota were never on the same page and that he's going to return to a Chevrolet team. Um, until we find anything more out, start with the fact that he is running the uh, late model race. Great to see and what he builds from the future here, as he said, with this second chance. And, and we've seen that. Some drivers really excel in that second opportunity, and I hope that he's one of them. Yeah. you get, you got to think that Noah Gregson, as soon as uh, Legacy Motor Club made the announcement that they were switching to the Oyotas for the following year, uh, that Noah Gregson probably said, oh, wow, <laughs> uh, what am I going to do now? And so um, I think that you're right. He saw the writing on the wall just like we did, uh, that there was going to have to be some changes there, and obviously that's what we saw happen. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see him uh, it, racing in that ASA Stars National Tour this weekend, the Glass City 200 out of Toledo Speedway. Uh, he's going to be racing with Rhett Jones Racing in that event. And uh, I give some kudos to Rhett Jones for bringing him into it. And uh, he could have actually raced that race even under his suspension. Uh, but I think Noah pretty much waited until he was completed with his um, uh, path to path back to NASCAR first. Uh, so um, it's going to be fun to see where, where he ends up. I can't wait for the announcement. From, uh, and I think uh, we'll, we'll just wait and see what actually happens uh, when they make their announcement tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun uh, to see what happens. Brian, you get the wrap-up. Yeah. I, w I would agree, and uh, one quick comment on AJ willing to do anything and drive in the hauler. I mean, does he have his CDLJ? Is that a possibility? Because, I mean, I think I'd love to run into AJ <laughs> at a truck stop across America just driving in the hauler. Uh, maybe I'll go get my CDL and sign up to co-drive one of the West Coast trips with him. I think that would be uh, crazy entertaining. Um, but, hey, that's a, isn't that a great, great way, too, if he does have his CDL? Maybe he co-drives the West Coast trip out there, and uh, it's great social content. So, anyway, I digress from that. Um, second point, uh, Toledo, Ohio does have a Waffle House, so a great place for Gregson to go and celebrate um, like he normally <laughs> likes to if he does, in fact, win this weekend, although I do think Ty Majeski is going to be very, very tough to beat at Toledo um, on, on Saturday afternoon. Okay, so with that day, 
you get to bring up our next top topic. Well, again, being because we we're having to speculate. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's where I was going. Another driver one, and I think it, we can tie two in. Um, Sharon, you put up the charter available for sale. Uh, may want to wait on this, but again, the rumor is out there. Uh, Adam Stern on X, which was Twitter, uh, team Live Fast has declined comment uh, on the NASCAR industry uh, chatter that it could sell its charter soon with Spire Motorsports seen as among the suitors. And among those options, then Spire, Spire would have, uh, the char- if they got the charter, and a needed spot for Zane Smith, who, going to another article there from Sirius XM Radio Interview, Zane Smith said he has a deal done. It's already been signed. They just haven't announced it. So there again, we got two things going on of a rumor going on with this, one of, we know something's going to happen, just don't know what. Uh, we kind of figured Zane Smith was moving up somewhere. It's a matter of where. Uh, so we still kind of got to wait for some more details, but do you think the two go hand in hand? Okay. Um, Brian, your thoughts? Yeah, it, it very well could. I mean, just from a personal standpoint, I, I'd hate to see live fast, not be able to to continue on, BJ McLeod and Matt Tift. Um, I think, you know, Sharon, you, you and Matt, Chad had been on the show several times in the past. He was coming up. Yeah. I think yeah. kind of a great story that they were able to, to form a cup team, and he'd like to see them still be able to keep that together and make it work. Um, yeah, but also kind of great job of tying the two different hot topics together there. Zane Smith, where is he going? Um, I don't know, but I would think, yeah, I mean, a, a, obviously up from trucks, I think. I don't think he's returning to the truck series, and that's safe to say. Um, you know, does somebody buy that charter? Does somebody put him in a car? I don't know. I kind of like this time of year. Obviously, the playoffs and on-track performance are the focus, but I think there's a decent decent amount of moving parts and pieces to this silly season to kind of uh, to kind of keep things interesting and, and, and see where drivers will end up. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that does happen. I mean, I'm rooting for, for BJ and Matt to be able to kind of keep it going. Obviously, I don't think it's gone as well as, as they would have hoped. And charters do seem to have a pretty pretty nifty, hefty price tag on them these days. So maybe not a bad thing to sell and, and look at, at doing something at one of the lower levels. Okay, yeah, we've had a lot of conversations about the charter system at NASCAR uh, and the cost charters. Um, but uh, that aside, uh, I, I agree with you. I think that Zane Smith is, is ready to move on. He's uh, raced in the truck series, done well in the truck series. He's a champion in the truck series, and now he's ready to move on to the next stage of his career. Um, And so uh, this charter, uh, there's a lot that can happen here. This is just a rumor at this point because uh, Team Fast hasn't really uh, commented yet. Uh, on what's going on there. So uh, we've seen this happen where something like this comes out. And then some dynamic changes, and then what we thought was going to happen isn't what actually happens. But uh, that being said, um, uh, I do think that uh, Zane Smith, and I'm sure we're going to hear about this soon as well, uh, he says he has a deal, I believe him, and he says he's super excited for it. Um, and and what the future holds for this new team that he's going to be racing for. So I 
I'm excited to hear what that's going to be, whether it's the charter uh, from from another team or uh, maybe it's him that's going to go to college. Who knows? Um, but uh, I I would like to see him. I know he's raced for Front Row Motorsports uh, the last you know, on and off this last season. Uh, But I would like to see Zane Smith go into the Xfinity Series before he goes into Cup. Uh, That's just me. Uh, I think he would bring a lot to the Xfinity Series. I think he'd be a contender in that series. And uh, we'll see what happens. I I would rather see him do that with a good team than to go to a backmarker team and not really be able to contend in the Cup Series. We know that's a steep hill to climb, uh, making that transition into the Cup Series. Uh, But uh, uh, I I would like to see Zane Smith go into the Xfinity Series. That's being selfish on my part, though. We'll see what happens. Uh, Jay, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I had four of them, and I think you at least pulled a little bit of thunder from each one of them, Sharon, but we'll start with I'm sorry. not getting me fired up on the charter system. This is exactly where I talk about that. Uh, I'll make this part quick, but if Spire Motorsports wants him to put him in there, they got to look and find the charter to secure that, and, and I just don't like that. Um, but I'll digress on that and move on. You mentioned, first off, the Xfinity Series. Junior Motorsports. Again, that seat is open. We haven't heard a whole lot as far as that. So I think that is if he were to go to the Xfinity Series and it become kind of a Smith Xfinity Series, as you got Chandler Smith and uh, Sammy Smith already there, might add some confusion there, but uh, <laughs> we deal with that. On the Cup side, uh, you know, the, the link right now is kind of leaning towards rumors of Spire Motorsports and the possibility of the live live fast uh, charter but then you also go to the college racing and their announcement he could fit in there uh, we've seen him make those uh select starts this year with front row motorsports i think he did very solid in those starts so one moving from the truck series direct to the cup series uh we've seen some of these drivers have that capability and uh, could happen so he could fill in there um, you mentioned it then as well. Uh, again, I think you pulled a little bit from everything I was going to say. You go to Spire Motorsports, and I get it. They're building and progressing without a doubt. Um, but are they at the same level where College Racing is right now? College Racing had to go through that. They've already kind of come over that hump and been towards the top now. Do you want to see them do that with Spire Motorsports? college racing or go to a championship contending team such as the number eight in the Xfinity series for junior motorsports. That's a tough decision to have to make, especially right now, as we, as I mentioned with Spire Motorsports, we've definitely seen them growing and even Rick Ware racing. They're trying to do the same thing, making some personnel changes, signing one driver, Justin Haley full time for a year. They're in that building process. So I wouldn't necessarily, I know Mike likes to refer to them as the field fillers or whatever, but they're building, and that may be what it takes, is a driver like Zane Smith that can be that final piece to complete that step and go from top 20 to top 10 to top 5 and and building for or chasing wins and then championships. Um, But it can be a tough road to hoe uh, when it comes to that as a driver. We've seen that in the past. 
But I think some of the drivers that we've seen go through it, Ross Chastain, I mean, he put his time in in, in driving some of these cars that, uh, you know, you would say maybe don't belong on the track. Alex Bowman, and then moved into a role of, I can't think of the uh, simulator uh, for Hendrick Motorsports. Mm -hmm. When the opportunity came, then he got his ride. So sometimes that is a step you've got to take, and it can be done. So who knows? Uh, we got to wait and see. I, I know they said it should be within a week or two that that announcement does finally come out. We may see it tomorrow. It may be next week. Okay. Brian, your follow-up. You guys hit on all the points there. Like you said, I think both of you kind of stole a little bit of thoughts from all of my thoughts. So I think uh, that kind of puts a bow tie on that one from uh, – from my standpoint, I'll be curious to see how it kind of plays out here in the next, you know, several weeks and into the off season to get some of these plans solidified. Okay. Uh, Jay, I thought you brought up a good point with regard to Spire Motorsports. Uh, another thing that was kind of alluded uh, in that post from Adam Stern is that among the options Spire would have with the charter is helping a team like Trackhouse. Uh, if it needed a spot. So if there was an affiliation there and Trackhouse helped support it, they could probably do very, very well. Um, And I I do think, you know, that there's something to be said for that. I just think the hill is so steep to climb uh, in the Cup Series right now. Um, But when you put Trackhouse into the equation, uh, good things can happen. So we'll see. we'll wait and see. Uh, I can't wait to see what the announcements are going to be, whether it's the one tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, or and more announcements that are forthcoming that we know about here. Uh, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. So to echo what Brian is saying. So, Jay, what's the final words here? Got to wait and see. Uh, I think there's uh, some uh, – you know, we're not talking big names like Martin Truex who re-signed or whatever, but this is the future, and it starts here and now that we're seeing some of these other driver announcements, team announcements, um, what we're looking at for the future, whether it be one, two years down the road, but it starts here and now. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, however it plays out, I think there's a lot of different good options, and then we got to wait and see, too, of not only when they're made, of how they progress. Uh, you know, it takes time. We've seen that, like I mentioned, Spire Motorsports gradually building. We see Corey LaJoy getting top ten finishes now, being in contention for obviously select races, not all of them, um, but definitely road courses and super speedways. He's one that's at the top of the list. Okay, so bringing another driver in that can match that same level, then you're looking at it as an organization. So, I look. I, I think it's great for the future of NASCAR as a whole. Okay. Now, one one thing that we do know for next season, we're not waiting for an announcement. The announcement was already made. Sam Mayer is going to be back at Junior Motorsports uh, for the next year in that number one. Uh, quick thought on that, uh, Brian. Yeah, I love it. Um, I followed Mayer's career. I was actually interviewed him um, right after his uh, debut in the. K&N East-West combo race at Iowa when he finished, I believe it was 10th um, back then. So kind of known him and followed him ever since he kind of started coming up. Um, definitely kind of, I feel like, hit his stride here in the last eight races. He's got the two wins at Road America and Watkins Glen and two other second-place finishes. So 
four top two finishes over the last eight races. I feel like maybe he's finally settling in. It took him what seemed like forever to kind of get that first win. Definitely seen him make some rookie mistakes and maybe some, uh, you know, less than ideal moves um, throughout his career. But I, I think he's kind of coming in into his own and really hitting his stride here in the back half of the season. I'll be curious to see how he does in the playoffs. And then great to see that he's got a ride locked down for next year to return to the Xfinity Series and, and kind of continue with Junior Motorsports because I think he's finally kind of getting into that you know, getting into that rhythm. Um, and you just look at his average finish was 20th in his, you know, first season where he ran, I think, 18 or 20 races, something like that. Um, improved that all the way up to 12th this year, um, sitting, I believe, fifth or so in the standings right now as they reset with those two wins um, and only 20 years old. So a lot of time to develop still. I think Junior Motorsports obviously a great place to do that. So excited for Mayor, and I think uh, great to have him back next year in the Xfinity Series. Jay, your thoughts? Well, I was looking, and I know uh, Mike is the one that I think put the uh, post up. Didn't have any comments with it. And not to put any specific words in his mouth without him being here, Brian kind of hit on him um, just in a more political correct way. He's made some mistakes this year. Got it. But he also picked up those two wins, uh, which gave him some confidence, as you mentioned, and what he's building for for the future which makes me believe that this really is a good thing, getting that one, uh, at least one more year in the Xfinity Series. You know, Sharon, you talk about this a lot, whether drivers should stay and, and grow a little bit more in the Xfinity Series. And this is one I think uh, definitely should. Uh, we've seen those growth. He's winning races, but he's also gotten a little aggressive and made some, as uh, Brian put it, rookie mistakes. And I won't say exactly how Mike has put it in the group chat, but... <laughs> um, mistakes and he's acknowledged some of them uh, without a doubt so I think another year in the Xfinity series especially with junior motorsports as you mentioned I think he got bumped up to like fourth or fifth in the seating with those two victories um, so we'll see where they go here in these playoffs but also then that security and looking to build and continue to grow through next year I think is a great thing for him his career as well as the Xfinity series um with the with, uh, up-and-coming drivers and some of the competition we're going to see there over the next year. Yeah, we've seen more than one driver mature before our very eyes, and uh, Sam Mayer is certainly one of those drivers. I, Brian, I think you said it. He's hitting his stride, and this is a good move for him uh, to be back with Junior Motorsports for another year. I uh, am looking forward to seeing it because I do think uh, that we uh, he has matured some. You know, time will tell us uh, how much he's matured. But the fact that he's starting to win races and uh, doing well in the series, I think, is a good thing. And I think we'll see him contending for a championship next season. So, uh, And maybe even this season, we'll see how that all plays out. But um, I, I do uh, uh, like the direction that he's headed, and I think this is a good move to stay in the Xfinity Series uh, with Junior Motorsports. Brian, did you have any follow-up there? No, I think kind of I'll kind of hit on it. Well, yeah, I think uh, yeah, glad I put it as politically correct as possible. But yeah, I think uh, you know, <laughs> not letting ourselves forget that he is only 20 years old. A lot of times, still develop yeah. um, in his career. Um, obviously, came in you know very young. I think he was only 15 or 15, 15 when he made his ARCA debut um, back in 2018. So uh, still a lot of time there, and obviously you know 
being able to have Dale Jr. as, as your boss is never a bad thing for people. So I think uh, it'd be great to see him develop and, and see if he kind of calms down a little bit next year. I think, you know, getting kind of that taste of being so high up in the championship battle this year will hopefully kind of get his head right, so to speak, and, and really realize um, what he needs to do next year to be competitive, but not also be just, you know, taking people out and wrecking equipment. So excited to see it and uh, looking forward to it. Okay. Brian, um, Jay, did you have any follow-up? Well, I did pull it up. Uh, I, I was a little off. He is currently fifth in the Xfinity Series points with the reseeding. Um, had 15 playoff points build up. He's two points behind Cole Custer, who we know considered to be one of the final four just based on how he's run. Um, so we have that to look forward to for this year. But then looking towards next year again, being back with the same team, just that continuity as he continues to grow and mature as a driver, I think could be a strong combination. And then we'll have to see what's available at the cup level um, before moving on up there or elsewhere. Okay. Uh, Real quick, and this is more uh, just kind of knowledge information. Uh, There's a driver, a female driver, Jade Avedisian. Is that how you pronounce that, Brian? That's a good question. I've never heard it pronounced by anyone else. So that's sort of how I pronounce it. I can't pronounce the name, but I have been following uh, her up-and-coming dirt career so far. Yeah, Jeff Gluck posted, if you're not paying attention to what Jade is doing, it's probably time to start. He wrote about her, and uh, I posted the article up on our our, uh, Teams group. Um, But that's a name. We don't know how to pronounce it. It's A, V as in Victor, E, D as in David, I, S as in Sam, I, A, N, um, an up-and-coming racer with dreams of NASCAR. She's a female driver and uh, apparently making waves uh, as she's working her way up the ladder here. So just want to bring that up as a name to keep your eye on. Uh, Jay, do you know anything about her? I do not, and I appreciate you not going to me on the name pronunciation. I had to try and do the uh, German name this morning, and I'm German, so I I couldn't even get that one. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I had not uh, seen that name um, as far as one that I've come across, but certainly one worth watching as it's detailed there on theathletic.com with Jeff Gluck. Um, certainly want to keep an eye out for. Okay. Let's go ahead and do our sign-off here. Uh, Brian, we'll go around our triangle today and uh, start with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Best way to follow is on Twitter, beeberly18. Um, Quick shout-out to Chicagoland Speedway for this weekend. They're actually going to have a little bit of racing activity at the track for the first time in four-plus years. I believe it's Supermoto Cross is racing there. They're dumping 500-some truckloads of dirt around the facility. Sounds like it should be a pretty cool event. I unfortunately won't be able to be back for that, but I did see a story they're expecting, like as many as 35,000 fans, which is, I think, a much higher number than, than I would have expected um, for that. Um, so I think if they do really get that, that'll be pretty cool. Don't know if that ever means anything for the future of the facility, but at least it's in good enough standing condition currently to be able to host events. So obviously Sharon and I both being from the Chicagoland area, probably pretty excited yeah. about that. So hopefully they have a good event um, there this weekend. looks like the weather is supposed to be great um, for tomorrow. So, uh, or for Saturday, I should say. So uh, looking, looking forward to hopefully that turning out to be good and may, maybe a harbinger for something else to, to come back there in the future. 
Yeah, Brian, I'm glad you brought that up. We talked about it a little bit on um, on Monday night as well. And I think I've seen some NHRA uh, drag racing at the track as well. So I think those are good signs. And we talked about the possibility uh, of NASCAR rotating tracks and getting some tracks uh, off of the two-race schedule for the year and the possibility of uh, getting back to Chicagoland since it hasn't been sold yet. And there is racing going on there. So uh, nice, nice uh, pickup there. Jay. Well, I'm just trying to figure out. I know Brian's become a regular here on Thursday, but uh, I, if that was like a smooch up to you, Sharon, is it bringing up Chicagoland and your guys' tie there, if that was to get a bigger spot here on fans oh, racing, I'll have to remember that's how you got to go about it. Uh, now, Brian and I go way back. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And it is, you mentioned it is good news. And we did kind of hit on it. I think Mike brought it up the other night that there is still activity there. The land has not been sold as previously thought that it was going to go away. So that does give that hope for the future. Um, and it's good to see. Uh, I love that track as well. The, the couple times I got to visit there, you know, Sharon and I have talked about that of one of the best races there in the final year that uh, year or two that it was in existence as far as on the cup series. But uh, you can follow me on uh, social media. Facebook will be Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And this weekend through all the way actually over the next week and a half, you're going to have to keep up because I'm going to be in Jackson, Mississippi for our final weekend of weekly racing in the year with the Hurricane Sprint Series at your Capital City Raceway. Then I'll take a day break and be in Tennessee for a few days for some motocross and jump and run again. Come back home, I think I get to sit at home for a day, and then I'll be back up in a different part of Tennessee for a couple more fairs um, and motocross action as well. So busy couple of a week and a half or so for me. And good food too, right, Jay? What's that? And good food too. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh I don't know if it can compete with the uh, Eberly compound since that's home cooked, but yeah, you talk about <laughs> fair food. I definitely put away uh, me and the dog both. Uh, I think I made my dog a little sick one night because I let him have some things I shouldn't, but you got to do what you got to do. He'll get through it. You can, you can never go wrong <laughs> okay. with fair food. That's, uh, that's for sure. All right. I am Fan for Racing Psyched on Twitter. We're Fan for Racing Blog and Radio everywhere else, including Facebook and our, our uh, website, uh, where we have our uh, player for fans to listen to the live broadcast on Monday nights and our podcast on Thursdays. And uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend of racing that starts tonight out at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. And any subsequent announcements between now and Monday when our next show comes up uh, for our review of the racing at Bristol, as well as our Hot Topic Sound Off. We will be live on Monday night and uh, with Sal. And uh, I'm working on a guest. I don't know. It'll probably be toward the end of this month instead of anytime soon. Uh, but it's an old friend of ours that contacted me, and uh, I'll, I'll let it be a surprise. Uh, for later on, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward uh, to having this uh, guy back on the show. So um, 
A big shout out to our listeners for tuning in, whether it's our live broadcast on Mondays or our podcast on Thursdays. Uh, We appreciate all of you uh, for taking time to hear what we have to say. And uh, to our Fan for Racing crew, uh, Jay, it's always fun doing a a podcast with you on Thursdays as well as uh, hot topics on Mondays and Thursdays. And Brian, I'm so glad you're part of our Fan for Racing group again. Uh, And I appreciate your contributions because you're writing stories for us and and, uh, I, I know you're take part in the media uh, interviews that take place, and I, I really appreciate all that you do as well. So uh, thanks for coming back, and uh, I know we're all looking forward to the weekend of racing. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun to, to be back on the show and make this a regular part of Thursdays. had a great time with you and Jay and the whole team. It's been, been great. And, yeah, you almost forgot it was Thursday for a second. That's right. we got truck qualifying coming up here in just a couple of hours, I believe, and then the truck, ARCA and truck racing tonight. So, a great weekend of racing, and hopefully it's the last year where we only get one concrete Bristol race. Let's get it back to two next year. Um, I love the Thursday, Friday, Saturday night under the light schedule that they have in the fall as well. Um, so really looking forward to this weekend, probably one of my more favorite favorite races in the playoffs, um, personally, just with all three series. Yep, it's going to be a big weekend, Jay. It certainly is, and yeah, Brian hit on it, having the full weekend there. Uh, I know I had that opportunity once, and I didn't take advantage of it. Unfortunately, I don't have that chance now. Uh, that was back when I think it was a four-day with uh, they had the modifieds there, and I really regretted that just because I haven't seen those NASCAR wheel and modifieds, and I heard that is one heck of a show, especially there at Bristol. Hopefully they come back to Bristol. Yeah, that's, I, I second that as well. I have not seen them in person as well, and I think it's kind of another little bucket list item for me as well. Okay, put that down as another possibility for a fan for racing crew group, Bristol Motor Speedway. <laughs> our, our, our list is long. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. Okay, with that, we will call it a, a day, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to the weekend of racing, and we hope everybody else does too. Let's call it a wrap, guys. Great. Thanks. Have a good weekend, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.